Uh, this is Gabriel Hardman. And Corina Beckhouse. And you're listening to 11 o'clock comments. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Flawless, actually. I'm smiling. Talking in the microphone too. No. Yes. So they can hear you at. They can hear you. (laughs) They can hear you at home. That beautiful voice that we love so much. Giddy. I I can tell you both are too. Overwhelmingly so. Wow. Diggity. Dry ice. I'm gonna call you dry ice. (laughs) Yeehaw! Jester's dead. What is that? What did you say? What? What did you say? Huh? I said, yeehaw, Jester's dead. Ah. From Top Gun. Yeah, I know. Wow. Hey, I do not see the fascination with that movie. Really? Gay. Yeah, oh, it, it's a... T- <laughs> what did you say, Dev? Because <laughs> you're not gay. Oh. Wow, it, racist. It, it's a terrible... <laughs> It's a I think that terrible was finally unseated by 300 as 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 gay homoerotic fan favorite movie. Why? What's homoerotic about 300? That's ridiculous. You like gladiator movies? <laughs> if we're talking gay tentpole films, I mean, is there isn't it like Spartacus? Isn't that like the? You don't think 300 is more an airport? Well, I can't really speak on 300 because I don't. Even know if I've ever seen it. I guess I, I have. I thought it was the Brokeback. That was the oh, Brokeback is, is, is about gay. Are you oh, clowning? Boy. You're clowning right now, right? Clowning what? Dude, that's too on the nose. He's talking about like... Oh. Like cult following type, you know, like, like Rocky Horror so, Picture Show type stuff where it's... Oh, more like, like you kind of, like in the closet kind of gay. Like you. Right. Oh, yeah, like Crying Game. No. No, <laughs> no that's not in the closet. <laughs> No, that is a, wow, we're getting off to a horrendous start. Seriously. Yes, we are. This is perfect. Wow. Woo, okay. Oh, my brothers and sisters. Hey, everybody. This is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 498. And I will probably see a lot of you very soon, within f- 40 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will see two of you within 24 mm-hmm. hours. And I am... Very, very happy, Vince P. Oh, yes. Yes, you are happy. Yes, you are Vince P. I am David A. Price. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. I'm Coach Eric Taylor. <laughs> Did you hear him click over to his the thing he wanted to read from before he said that? <laughs> That's not actually true. My laptop's nowhere near me. Oh, it's not on the other arm of the couch? It's probably my mic bouncing back and forth in the air of the couch. Oh, okay. No, you're not Coach McGoach. I didn't hear who it was. Eric Taylor. <laughs> oh, sorry. Friday Night Lights, dude. <laughs> Again. <laughs> I got nothing. Uh, you're Jason Wood, everybody. Woo-hoo. I wish I was Coach Taylor, though. Why is that? Dude, that's one of the best shows ever. Friday Night Lamp? Friday Night Lights. I don't know what this is. 
you I'm don't sorry. know what the show is? No, I know first and ten from the eight. Oh, the, that was the, a great show. The home no, box. Completely, yeah. completely well, different. Completely different. Yeah. Friday Night Lights was a book that mm-hmm. was turned into a movie that was turned into a TV show. As Does that's the, the usual progression, isn't it? It can be. I don't know. I mean, the, the movie was with Billy Bob Thornton. Right. Much, much different than the TV show. Now, does the TV show take place after, or is it the same characters, or is same, it just... same characters, just a dram- dramatization of it. Okay. Oh, nice. The book is a... It's very odd. The book is a true story. Okay. The movie is uh, a loose interpretation of said true story, and the TV show is basically a drama set in the same town in high school, but nowhere, no, nothing resembling the book. Wow. But it's, it's about uh, Texas high school... Football. Yes, Texas high school football, correct. Riveting. Um, it actually is. Even if you're not a football fan like, like I am, it, it's a tr- tremendous, tremendous drama. I'm just giving you the business because there are some football movies that I actually like. Well, like, remember, yeah, I'm not remember recommending the movie. I'm, I'm recommending the TV show. No, no. Remember the, the Spartans. Or, I like that a lot. Remember the... T- Remember yeah. the Titans? Yeah. You mean the Titans? Yeah, I know. I mean, that's why I said With that. Denzel. Yeah, it's a good movie. Makes me cry. Amen. I love it. But anyway, Amen. you're not Coach Magoo. Oh, I did that. Hey. Not Magoo. Eric Taylor. Yes. Show the man some respect. Respect. <laughs> show, the, show the fictional character based on a guy in a book. Respect. Yep. I do respect we show, him very much. We show fictional characters in books respect every week. We do. Every. Week. We do. We show we show fictional characters respect more than sometimes we show the creators who brought those fictional characters to life respect. It's true. That's okay. Yes, that is true. <laughs> and you can get your books from not fictional characters, but flesh and blood real people. That is true. Sometimes I think they're tulpas because if I ever wanted to create the perfect comic book service, I would create the people that run dcbservice.com. Jason, like didn't, Jason didn't watch Twin Peaks Season 3. It's obvious. It's painfully yeah. obvious that he not, did not watch it. But anyway, DCBService, dcbservice.com can get you all the books you want at a fraction of their cover price. Unfortunately, I can't illustrate said words because the list of specials are not up yet but mm-hmm, rest assured once that list hits the internets the deals will be both deep and plentiful massive discounts on your favorite stuff they ship them all up nice and secure put them in a box with <laughs> with all, me okay with a whole <laughs> it really wasn't it no wasn't. You, you, with a whole bunch of padding, sometimes you get peanuts, sometimes you get this awesome space-age foam stuff that keeps your books extra secure, and you get them shipped right to your door. Ding dong, my books are here. DCBService.com. There's only one place to go. Only. Yeah, I got to tread water when that list isn't up. You do. You always un- struggle. It's, it's always unpleasant. Intro. It's unpleasant. Yeah. But, but there is a reason why the list is not up yet. It's because of that, that big move and the employee thing, training thing that they got going on. Because they, yeah. they picked up sticks and moved from one place to another. That's what moving is. Ma- yeah, and, why, and why did they do it? To make 
shipping and reorders even faster and easier for everyone. It's amazing. It, it's the embodiment of help us help you. Right. Daddy daycare. And, and, and we will likely uh, see the Merklers this weekend. I sure hope so. Um, and I know this because I got an email from one of them because I foolishly did not order Redlands number two, which they rectified for me. So wait, in our wait, email wait, wait, exchanges. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You ordered Redlands one. Yes. And you, yes. and you forgot to order Redlands two. I did. And they told you about it? Like no, they... no, no. I, I, I emailed to find out if it was oh. still if I could still add it to oh, my. Oh, okay. I thought that they said, so "Yo, I I get three. Yo, Dap, you didn't get two. No, no. Oh. They no. I got you. That right. would be so, far above and beyond. I must say, though, duty. for the second month in four, they sent me that email saying, "Hey, haven't gotten your order yet." And thank goodness they did because I hadn't forgot. I'd forgotten to submit it. It's so weird. Why do you wait so long? See, that's that is weird because I that means I got mine in before you last month. That's crazy. Uh, apparently, I did not get an email. So yeah, wow, wow. Yeah, that's yeah. Just, that's just wrong. That is a first. Well, right? here, here, I know. Here's a first. Wow, dude! How many more times can you sigh when I when I speak today? <laughs> you, how many more times, ladies and gentlemen? There is if there was ever a poster child. For the person that takes the most things personally, it's Jason. Honest to God. I'm a snowflake, haven't you heard? You're not. You're nowhere near a snowflake. That's why it's so frustrating when you do that. <laughs> Here's a first. I'm drinking the raging hop character of Lagunitas IPA. Oh, okay. It's yeah. one of the few IPAs I enjoy. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And it's got a doggy on it, a doggo, or a do- doge. doge. Sorry, doge. Whatever. Six of one, bro. I know. What I like. Drink, I think Jason? I like doge better. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. Uh, no surprise here because it's never-ending supply at this point. I am drinking Corona Extra. I. You know what? I am going to. I'd stand up, but Vince will probably yell at me if I hit the microphone or something. So I oh. applaud you. You like this? My right. Um, so in spirit, I applaud you for actually drinking an alcoholic beverage a day before we get there, two days before the convention starts, because usually you guys are like, nah, man, I gotta, I gotta take it easy. We'll probably be partying a little hard next weekend. I want to, you know, it's all, it's all water 24 seven for the next week and a half because, you know, then it's con sign. So I appreciate that. It's a little bit like vacation. I don't know. It feels like vacation started already tonight. Yes. Even though I have to work tomorrow, it feels like it's So do I. I do not. You do well, not. I, I, I have, have to, to teach, but I don't have to work. Right. And I and, and it's because you have to teach that I'm pretty much going to work. Because otherwise I would use tomorrow to get some shit done and then head out knowing that you and I would probably get there around the same time after Jason gets out of work. So uh, I'm going to go to work, hopefully get my hair cut. I got to pick something up for bed. I got my hair did today. Nice. See, we can look pretty. Mm-hmm. And uh, get something for Beth, and then hopefully maybe have dinner with my wife and hit the road. Nice. And by dinner, you mean? <laughs> She's not going to be for a couple of days. So yeah, that's right. Knock it out. Um, oh, my God. Do we, 
Do we have any thank yous or announcements? I do have, I have a my, thank you. I have my drink, but we can do your thank you. Oh, oh, and before that, of course, what is our man Dap drinking? <laughs> That's your boo. No, 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 no. Back it up. Normally, That's your boo. Normally I'm like, oh, he usually just waits. He's like, oh, you know, we got to wait to find out. You know, he's got to be asked. So I'm yeah. isn't it, helping you out. Isn't it funny how the boo quickly turns to boo-hoo? Hmm? See what he did? Stepped all over you. He didn't care. That's your boo right there. Sorry, I'm distracted by the 87 <laughs> Nigerian <laughs> scam artist group requests we get every day now. It's baffling. I don't know what's happened, but it's absolutely become See, a problem. Seriously. These you, villages finally got internet access. You wounded me this episode. Why? Be- because I was almost certain that when we logged on, you would be Prince <laughs> Prince Ramadan Rabadibila, oh, whoever I that person. Been. See, Ramadan that's what I'm. I should have been. What is his name anyway? I've deleted. I've banned. So I've blocked so many. I don't know. We've had. I'm not even. This is not an exaggeration. I have banned at least, or blocked rather, blocked at least ten Nigerian applicants with the name Prince in the last week. Well, the real one's dead. So, I mean, there would maybe have been a chance that we would get Prince as a, you know, whatever. But not now, because he's dead. Um, Are we allowed to ban for people that clearly have worldviews that we don't share? Or is that not a suitable ban? No. I think, no, because... Um, no, it's not, no. It, I don't, we're not, I, I haven't started drinking yet, so I'm not, <laughs> that's not a conversation we need to have, because... Uh, I think we would lose some patrons and many listeners, but yeah. Um, yes, apologies. To, I, I, let me say this. To any of you listening that legitimately are listeners from Nigeria, I apologize because I do not on any planet understand how I can tell you from the spam. So you're not getting in. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not happening. So you get VPN where it says like you're actually from Scotland or somewhere we actually know, but it's, it is, it's, it's, and then you look at some of them and it's like, and they're in like 87 groups or they actually have like, like life achievements like a thousand like groups. that. But then you look at the life achievements. It's like, where do you go to school? It's Xavier school for or just, they just make bullshit up. It's, oh, like, it's like, I work at Facebook. It's like, no, you don't. I know. And I the know. man, the man in question is Prince Emmanuel Ebuka. Oh, you, Prince you Abubu. yeah, Check I think, it. I think you did him a disservice. He looks legit. Oh, you think I should legit, let him in? Too legit to quit. No. All right, we'll we'll, t- we'll table this conversation for later. Right. Uh, this is uh, Oak Cask Conquista de Argentina, 2015. It is a Malbec. Uh, Mendoza. The writing on the back label is tiny, and it is a very darkish gold on a dark brown sticker so i'm not going to try reading that but it is uh it, it is not too bad i like it good excellent yes i do have a thank you speak on it i got a drawing in the mail get out of here i did by our, our good buddy gordy adams gordo hey. yes gordo hey um I, this is was part of the um EOC uh, sketch challenge thing that they do. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a blue pencil drawing because he says, ink me Vince, a blue pencil drawing, non-repro, blue, of uh, my favorite kaiju. 
If you've been really? paying, yeah, if you've been paying attention, you know who that is. Bet you Dap knows. I'm not going to say because you don't know. I do know. You do know. Well, my, it's my favorite kaiju's Hedora, the Smog Monster. Right, and he. Dad, I, I, I know Smog Monster. I always, I, I tend to forget. Well, yeah, I'm probably. It's not a big deal, but anyway, uh, Gordo knows because he sent me a, a drawing of it, and he wants me to ink it, and it's it's great. And on the flip side, where he done wrote his and my address, he drew a little picture of himself with a dialogue balloon that says, "From one carrier to the next, please make sure this arrives safely." It's oh, that's nice. Yeah, so I have, I have a drawing of both Gordo the Man and a product of his imagination, the uh, the Smog Monster, that I get to ink. So it's like doubly, triply good. Now we know some. We know we know he's your first, but who who's behind him? Gamera, hmm, wow. Mecha Godzilla. I mean, who do you like? Gerald. Um. That's a good Mothra. One. No, no, Mothra would be way down the list. It's a Mothra. Mo- it's it's a moth. Yeah. Maybe Godzilla. Um. Kazuki. Well, how could you not like the big G, Godzilla? I mean, I love Godzilla. Oh, I was. Gojira. I thought he was. I thought he was um, ineligible. Well, yeah. Let's take him and King Kong out of the equation. So, who's left? Ghidra. Um, no, not a fan of Ghidra. Gamera? Um, yeah, Gamera's up there. Gabara's up there. Titanosaurus is up there. Um, I like King Caesar a lot. Uh, there's... Kamakiris is cool. Uh, I like them. I like a lot of them, but mm-hmm. th- th- there's something really strange about the smog monster. It may be the vertical eyes and the fact that he's disgusting and kills people with slime. Then, you know, how could you not love that? Visually, though, that the reason why I love uh, Hedora the, the most is because, he, because I think he is the most visually arresting design Toho ever produced. He's unlike any other kaiju. Mm-hmm. He's very unique, and he's disgusting. There's just something about him that that speaks to me. Ever since I saw the movie for the first time, um, maybe the fact that when I saw it, they produced a giveaway comic book. It was actually four pages that they handed out in the theater for Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster, and I went bonkers over this thing. I still have it. That's great. Yeah, I took more than my share. Let's just put it that way, and I have a stack of them. <laughs> Stack it up. Yeah. Stick it stack. But yeah, Hedora's my favorite. So I thank you, Gordo, my man. You say man. My man. Did I do it right? Yes, very, very good. Uh, I have two announcements. Your man. <laughs> announcements. Wow. Announcements. Uh, well, one, I may be stealing Dap's Thunder, but I just wanted to make sure we'd send a shout out to, to Chris Seifert, a.k.a. Comic Book DB Chris. Yes. Who uh, got, them, got them wedded blisses on. He'd be married up in here. Congrats, so congrats, congrats to Chris and his both. beautiful his beautiful bride. Um, and then uh, I want, and Chris is also uh, pertinent to the next little bit here, which is that, um, as you both know, and, and many of our listeners know, we lost uh, Greg Leclaire earlier this year, longtime EOC family member, and Greg was uh, really the driving force behind our 
annual fantasy sports endeavors. Um, I had started some fantasy baseball leagues for us back when we started the show and got a bit too busy. And Greg took the baton and ran them as the commissioner for the last bunch of years. And uh, real talk, uh, he was the best player, too, by far. I, he, he won the title many times, or titles many times. Um, so when he passed away, we agreed that we were going to change the names of the leagues to honor Greg. And then we would um, provide the winners from here on out every year uh, a collected edition or omnibus of their choosing uh, because it's uh, that was Greg's passion. He loved the big collected editions. So you sports fans out there know that the baseball regular season wrapped up. In fact, as we are recording, the baseball playoffs have begun. And I wanted to just do a quick shout out to the, uh, first of all, to everybody that participates every year. It's a lot of fun. And I think this year everybody had a little pe- extra pep in their step and a little bit more focus because we were playing for Greg. But uh, just a shout-out to the champions. Uh, there are four leagues. Um, the LeClaire Memorial Keeper League champ is Mr. Scott Burroughs. Woot, woot. The LeClaire AL only invitational champ, Mr. Raph Suhu. Woot, woot. The LeClaire NL only invitational champ, this guy right here. Yeah, you know how we do. Oh, Dap one. <laughs> uh, the other disc guy, oh. and then uh, last but certainly not least, the Leclerc Invitational Five by Five champ. This guy right here. Wow. Yeah. But uh, but yes, yeah, so I'm going to send myself to Omnibu. Um, but yes, <laughs> kind of stairs. But I will be in touch with Scott and Raf shortly. Uh, and also, while we're on the subject, shout out to Ray Wagner who took up the baton for the football league and he is running the Leclerc Memorial fantasy football league this year, uh, as the commissioner. So, which is ongoing. We are a month into that season. So, uh, yeah, great stuff all around. That's nice. awesome. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right. So we got, let's talk some comics. Got some com- yes. Comics let's talk, talk some comics. Dap, you are backing me up, correct? Uh, I, Yes, it looks like we are recording. Okay, as of now, or I'll be able to as of way back when. No, as of it's been thirty two minutes, but it's it's um. Yes, we're good. Not that I'll be able to FTP it tonight, but yes. Okay, but I won't need it. Knock on wood. Do you do you want to do you want to start in the in the trenches? Start with the with the with the poop, and then yeah yeah let's do that. But you know what? Just just so it's not all kvetching and complaining and bitching all of which for good reason i would like to pepper or season all that with a little bit of the positivity uh dap and i have two star trek related items for you and and jason will be able to join in on one uh one is extremely good i would say yes. excellent yes i would say uh the other is not so, not so much, not so much. Um, to the to the point where it it ignited a uh, slack frenzy between mm. Dap and myself, uh, to which Jason didn't uh, reply at all. But that's he, he, <laughs> he complains. He, he compl- no, it's okay. He complains when we don't answer him, and he was just like, uh, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, thanks, guys. And so, <laughs> so, so 
Let's, Listen. Let's start off. <laughs> I was busy getting my humble abode beautiful and making sure that there was ample space for y'all to comfortably lay your heads when you get here tomorrow. Your your humble abode is always beautimous and B, there's more than ample space. But that's okay. Um, The first thing, on the plus side, the first three episodes, was it, Dab? Three, yes. First three episodes of Star Trek Discovery have aired. We've all digested them. Now, as we talk about this, you got to keep in mind, one of us is pretty much the biggest Trekkie out there, at least the biggest one that I know, and I know a lot of Trekkies. Dap, really? Yes, Dap, actually, you, you, you are so much in love with Star Trek, it's, it's disgusting. I wish I loved something. That's as weird. Mo- that- you do love no, it. I, I'm, no, yeah, I'm not disputing that, but that, of, of, uh, that I am the biggest fan i mean that's just that surprises me that's all i'm saying okay um i thought it was brilliant i was so stunned that it was that good but i want you to talk about it and just answer one question before we go into this Uh It, it takes place 10 years before kirk goes through the academy or before kirk is born No, 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 no. Before Kirk and Spock. Before Kirk is the captain of the Enterprise. Okay. Gotcha. Um, So there is a possibility that young Kirk could show up somewhere in this show? I I would probably expect to hear Pike's name before Kirk's. Well, sure. Uh, they, They... I think it would... I don't know. I, I want. I almost said. It, I think it would benefit them if they kept things separate. If they, because it, it's with the third episode, things got as as um as a bit of a downer. The first two episodes may have been. Things got a bit darker in the third, and and this is not. Um, it's it's weird. I. I Yes, there's. I'm going to say sure. There, there's there is a possibility that because Kirk is obviously, um, depending on which, <laughs> depending on which timeline you want to go by, because it has been said that Star Trek Discovery is in the prime timeline, the timeline that gave us the original series, the Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise, which obviously chronologically is before them all. It is not. The Kelvin verse universe. It's not the reboot. And that's where people have some slight issues because the technology and the look of it lends itself to maybe be in the universe that J.J. Abrams gave us. Which could still make it 10 years before Kirk becomes captain. But if that's the case, Kirk, Kirk was pretty much dared to join Starfleet. And I don't know if it, it wouldn't be the same kind of Kirk that it, it, it would. There's a better chance of us seeing the William Shatner Kirk than the Chris Pine. Yeah. So, no, no Beastie Boys. No, no Beastie Boys. Probably not just yet. Even though, although surprisingly, um, I, I was I was a little. So I was somewhat shocked to to, to hear Michael 
curse in the third episode. Like she actually said, "Oh shit, it worked." I'm like, and I had to do. I was not expecting to hear that uh, on the Star Trek TV show, even though they're saying much worse these days on television. But uh, yes, two episodes, three episodes in the first two episodes um, set the stage. I'm glad they were told they were shown the way they were, as opposed to us uh, starting off with knowing Michael Burnham mutineer and then they would give us the two episodes as a flashback like they did with the menagerie but i i, I like that things happened in a linear fashion we, we we got um we established who michael is type of character she is and her relationship with her captain with uh her guardian uh with her fellow crew members um pretty much a whole ship full of red shirts. It was very, it was a, uh, something should have given it away when the credits rolling at the beginning of the show. And that opening sequence is amazing. But the, uh, as I'm seeing all these names as, as cast members of, of the show and hardly any of them are in on the ship, and, and in the first two episodes, uh, that, that that should have given things away as to not to get too too comfortable with, with this particular um, crew. But once the, the third episode is where things seem to really start rocking and rolling. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoy the first episode. I really enjoyed the second episode. Uh, and and then we saw coming attractions for what the season's going to be like at the end of the second episode, and and I was all in. And then when that third episode hit, uh, I was um, I was as close to the edge of my seat as as a television show gets me. It was it was real. I, I it's a cat. I actually like this cast. I, I not since Deep Space Nine have I been so infatuated with, with with a cast on a ship and and not that everybody on deep space nine um grew on me from the start i i wasn't in love with everybody right at the beginning but uh even even the roommate even tilly might be annoying to some people i i found her charming and and it's it was it is a very well rounded cast i i i think Lorca. i like jason isaacs i always have but i i captain Lorca is somebody i want to know more about um there's just there are some some hotheads and and some stubborn folks but based on this ship and what they're doing out here and and what they're trying to accomplish uh it it it's all fitting i think it looks amazing it's it well does. acted uh, I, I really, you know, again, it's only been three episodes. I, I would probably have to look really hard if I had to start finding nitpicks and complain about anything. There really isn't anything here that, um, that I am rolling my eyes over or, or asking a million and one questions about, because, you know, that's, that's bullshit. Amanda was the only human ever on Vulcan. There was no, I don't, it's, I'm, I'm along for the ride. I want to see where they're going with it. Yeah. And, you know, to this day, I wince more often than not during an episode of Star Trek uh, Next Generation because you're waiting for the deus ex Wesley mm-hmm. to, to come down. Oh, like yes. Wesley's going to pull out of his ass. The, the resolution to the 
um, conflict in episode two was great. It, it it wasn't the standard Star Trek, everything's going to get fixed, or, you know, this, they, they, skin of their teeth, pull it out at the last minute. It, they, they didn't. I, I think, um, Michael screwed up royally. Oh, yes. By, by, by killing him. And I, it was, and I, it wasn't, I, I don't believe it to be intentional, but it's Oh, still, no, it wasn't intentional at all. No. And, it, and, and because obviously Klingons aren't really going to listen to reason, um, it's, it, it, yes, it is, it is unfortunate that, that this woman, uh, started this whole thing. Right. I just have a couple comments and then Jason can, can ramble. Uh, if the camera adds 10 pounds, Doug Jones needs to eat a gigantic he, sandwich. He needs a huge sandwich. Because he turns sideways in in one scene. I'm like, <laughs> dude, you are thin. He is. Uh, uh, he's amazing as uh, Saru. I think he's phenomenal. I, I love him and everything. Um, I don't understand why they're not just laying... Like, the people that are comparing this to the original series and saying, well, the, the, the ships don't mesh. And if this is 10 years before the original series, the Klingons would be all be handsome men with grease paint. You know, the Klingons in in this are savage. They're feral, they're animals. And it's just, I love the teeth. I really hope they don't go next generation and have female Klingons with the cleavage. Cause I thought that was the biggest wince worthy thing in in next generation was to have the boobs with the klingons i mean yeah i know it was the 90s but it that never worked for me uh what else i i just thought it was it was phenomenal like you said the intro is brilliant i love the look of it it does not look like a star trek series that intro is a totally unique beast i love it um what else that's that's about I'm just still in awe that there wasn't anything that I could say, well, that could have been done better or, yeah, well, that was a bad bit of dialogue. Like everything was super solid. I'm sure that they did. That's by design. Right. Because yeah, they 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 need this to succeed yeah, uh, it's, it's being away for so long. But this is the, the most excited I've been for a Star Trek since you said it. Deep Space Nine, because I'm not yeah. I'm not uh, aside from the original series. Not really a fan of of any of the series besides Deep Space Nine. No, I mean I've 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 gone on record as saying that you know I, I was never really all enamored with with Voyager and um, I mean out of BBC America is is airing it constantly. I, I see some episodes here or there and it's not all terrible. And an Enterprise just um, my schedule never allowed me to just kind of kick back with it. So I, I no knowledge of that aside from everybody saying what a shitty theme song it has. Uh, but everything is, you know, I, there were one thing that, that I right off the bat, not even five minutes into the show, we, um, when Michael and Captain Giorgio are, are walking, looking for the well and, uh, they're waiting for the ship to pick her up, pick them up. The wind blows Michael's hood back, and if you thought that 
she was a Vulcan based on her interactions with, with the captain and, and her logical thinking and her computations. Uh, you saw her ears and right away realized that this woman isn't. And that made me think of the first episode of the next generation when they gave us the, uh, the bones McCoy cameo and he and data are walking and, and data's acting very Vulcan. Like as far as McCoy is concerned. And, and even he mentions that, you know, there are no points on his ears and it just it's it's little and it may not have been that could very well be me reading too much into it but the fact that they they just showed that no one actually because no one no one actually said hey you're a human in this conversation between these two people it was just one of those things where this is if you're paying attention little things that that you know just the hood flying off was neat but overall i think um you're right about it being deliberate and, and everything happening for a reason with, with a certain beat. They're not just they're not just throwing things to see what sticks. They're not just, you know, hoping that well it's Star Trek and their fans will like it and, and they'll eat it up regardless. They they have a they're going somewhere with it. And Burnham's such a smart character design that she's human and Vulcan at the same time. Vulcan yes. Vulcan by proxy. She she absorbed all that culture being being raised by them, but and she's also human, so you get the best of Kirk and Spock in one character. Like, who came up with that? That's just plain damn smart. Jason. Vincent. Why are you so quiet? I'm just listening to y'all riff. I, 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 um, I only watched the, the intro episode, I guess, which is the first two. So I haven't seen the third yet, but um, but yeah, I think it's great. I, um, I I I did not know that it. I didn't realize that it took place before the original Star Trek. Um, I guess that doesn't really matter, but I, I I had I had no idea that it was a prequel. Um, how did you know that? Like, is it because of the technology, or is it because they tell you the year? Or? No, it's it's well, they definitely she she does the star date. Um, okay. At the beginning, when they're looking at the binary stars, and mm-hmm. um, not that I know. Started, it's like the back of my hand, but everything, right. it, the little, I don't, and every little, um, every, the few articles or interviews I've seen or read, uh, all state that it's set approximately 10 years before the first five year mission. Um, so it's, it's a century after. Enterprise, this the Scott Bakula show, and um, in the prime timeline, and and about ten years before Kirk and company embark on their five, what was supposed to be a five year mission, but thanks to TV, only three. But uh, that's that that. So yeah, they she does in the show. If you pay attention with the star dates, then yes, that that tells you. But all the interviews from the creators have all said that it it takes place before. Right. So would this girl then be? roughly the same age as spock a little bit younger she's about the same age well she is um i mean she is human so well as but yeah because she is probably in the um while she's in the vulcan science academy she's probably around yeah i I don't know how slow i don't know if i don't know if vulcans age i I know they just live a long time Mm -hmm. so it's it's entirely possible that they're you know if they're both 12 then they're both 12 Mm-hmm. Um, it may not be that Spock is actually 17. He just, but it is, yeah, they're, they're about the same age. Okay. And then I guess that makes sense because I was thinking this was far flung into the future 
which is why for some reason they hadn't interacted with the Klingons, but now this is essentially not the Klingons. Um, uh, um, uh, Vulcans? The Vul- no, uh, no, the Klingons. No, I mean the Klingons. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but so this is them. This is almost like a prequel then of the Klingons becoming the standard fair villains that we see in the original Star Trek. Yeah. Yes. This is how that happened. There were a bunch of warring factions, and then they decide to unify, and then all hell breaks loose. Yes. Well, well they were at war before this. this right, is- but this says it had been. Ages right. since they had yeah. any, any interaction right. with them, right? This, yeah, okay. yeah. This the, is, the twenty-four great houses were not united in any right, way, right? Right, but they were still pirates and vigilantes, or not vigilantes, yeah. and you know, killers. Yes, these Klingons look uh, look more, more definitely more imposing. Oh, than, sure. than we've seen in the past. Yeah. Yeah, I guess credit to, to modern day special effects, but yeah. I do not know how practical the outfits are, though. Mm, yeah. And and it looks like somewhere between the original series and Next Generation, they all had a lot of hair. Then they were then hair was genetically bred out of the Klingon Empire, and then they suddenly got hair again. I like the fact that they're bald. I do too. Yes. Um, and for the most part, most aliens tend to be and later episodes but it's um it's you know i i need to reread debt of honor the uh, chris claremont written graphic novel that um adam hughes and carl story drew because that kind of explains how klingons went from more humanoid human facially comparative aliens to, to humans to well, they were handsome. Uh, what you got in next yes than what you got in next generation with the with the foreheads and 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 the the teeth and um had to be some kind of genetic manipulation to make them better warriors no i don't think i think it was something as silly as maybe the the common cold i don't know i don't want to say it was like a, a second mutation but it it's a uh it's not i don't think it's as complicated or convoluted as as one might think oh okay which brings us to the bad part. Bad. And and we say when we say bad, we don't mean just plain bad. We mean horrible, uh, a disservice to anyone who bought this thing. Um, wow. And and I I would say borderline malicious. Now I'm going to ask real quick: Is this the only? Is this the first and the only IDW Eagle Moss collection from this? library no no that oh that i've purchased yes 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 but let me let okay me, let so me there paint. may the other reprints providing you know if they were from action i'm curious to see if the double page spreads from other comics well if if, it, if you look at the other um offerings they were mostly reprints of idw books oh so far so, so they haven't gotten to the dc or marvel stuff yet no so okay. if if there are double page spreads, they would have been formatted. Ah, uh, yeah. In right. mind yeah. that the stuff would eventually be collected in in trade paperback and or hardcover form. Um, but we're I'll, getting out of ourselves, right? I'll just set the stage. A couple of months ago, Dap and I were very pleasantly surprised to see that there was not one, but I believe six or seven hardcover collections offered in the previews. 
from uh, a joint publishing effort between Eagle Moss and IDW. And we we look through them, and, and I have very little history with the IDW Star Trek, so I didn't want to bite any of that stuff. But um, I am a huge fan of the Gold Key stuff, which was uh, created with many of the uh, principal uh, players, the writer, the artist, all, all, all the people that make comics, they did not have the luxury of actually seeing Star Trek before they created the comics. So there's a lot of wonky stuff in, in the Gold Key comics. Characters don't act like they should. Um, things don't work or look as they should. It's just it's a lot of fun. I'm a huge fan of that. And yes. uh, Dap and I have Gold Key collections, and, and we really enjoy reading them because of the fact that it's seeing these these beloved characters in goofy situations that never would have happened had the, the people that created the book actually seen the 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 series so um the same thing happened on the other side of the pond in the uk um they they created star trek comics for a magazine called tv 21 and joe 90 which was then changed to tv 21 followed by the valiant and tv 21 um, but unfortunately, if you're familiar with with the British um, comics, they're of the time of the period. They're not proportional to an American comic book, and they tended to do a lot of th- strips in the format of what we would commonly call Sunday funnies, a, a wide horizontal, like a landscape format. Um, and unfortunately, when they published, when they put, got these strips together for this Star Trek graphic novel collection, it's called the Classic UK Comics Part One. They said, "Okay, we have um, six or seven books in this collection. Let's let's keep the form factor exactly the same and publish them standard comic size." Well, that's great for the IDW stuff that was formatted standard comic size, but for this stuff, which was never intended to be shoehorned into this this format, you have gaping white space on the top of the page and the bottom of the page, which is a clear indicator that this stuff is not proportional. So they shrunk it down to fit. That's okay. But in doing so, there is a inordinate amount a disgraceful amount of text that is eaten by the gutter in this book mm-hmm. to the point where you cannot read it. Nope. It's indecipherable. Dialogue balloons sucked into the gutter. Caption boxes sucked into the gutter. Um, if I bought a car that didn't run, I'd be pissed. Uh, I'm pissed because I bought a book I can't read. And and I, and I when I opened it up, I I'm paging through it and I'm like, son of a bitch! Like, this is publishing 101. This is one of the 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 pitfalls of publishing that only a greenhorn would fall into, and it stings even more when one considers that the editor of this book is Dean Mullaney. Mm. From Eclipse Comics fame. He should freaking know better. So what I'm saying, what I said to Dap is, 
This was calculated. They they purposefully jammed these sh- uh, strips into this format. There are checks and balances in the publishing world. When when you send something to the printer, you almost always get a press proof or a blue line or something that says this is what your job is going to look like when it's finally printed. Do you sign off on this? Sure, we sign off on this. Or no, this needs to be fixed, blah, blah, blah. And then it goes through more uh, revisions and you sign off on it. But all of the people that produced this book saw it before it went to press. And yet they sent it anyway. That's what has me pissed off. That Dap and I spent, what was it, 17 bucks, 14 bucks on uh, this? Yeah, something like that. There's no price. No, it wasn't on half it. off. It was, yeah, it was. Um, uh, go ahead. And, and no, and it, it just it, it kills me because the art um, by Angus Allen, Todd Sullivan, Harry F. Linfield, Ron Turner, Jim Bikey, uh, Mike Noble, Harold Johns, Carlos Pino, and Vicente Alcazar is gorgeous. Isn't isn't the art? It is. I, I love the art, and you're going to see, and you'll be able to see some of the art because in this episode we will have images of the um, of the gutters because uh, it won't be any of any other text word balloons that you can read, but you'll be able to see some of the art, and and the art is, I mean, even the coloring is pretty sharp, but the it's amazing. The art is solid. The art is is better than than. Some of the drawings we've seen in the Gold Key books. It, oh, it just looks yeah. really, really good. I agree. Um, but And it's a crime because here you have stuff that many Star Trek fans on this side of the pond have never seen. Yeah. Um, and so what do they do? They do uh, a botched job just to get some money. And I'm telling you, I have half a mind, but I'm pumped, to take this with me to New York and slap it oh. down a, on the Eagle Moss table and say, I want my money back. I don't have half a mind. I have my whole mind. I am to- this as soon as we're done tonight, this is going in the suitcase so I can take it to, to New York this well, weekend. It okay. is, um, I'll do the same. So if, I, if you have purchased this volume, ask for your money back. If you see this volume on the shelf somewhere, run in, the, in the opposite direction. Don't waste your money on this. And, and, and the reason why... I say it's malicious is they knew full well what this thing was going to look like when it was printed and they, they went through it anyway. So there's no, there's zero concern for the, for the consumer in this. It's all, I mean, let's make some money. There's, there's maybe, maybe just over a quarter there. There are pages. There are some stories in the back towards the back of the volume that are printed so that you can read the entire thing. It's, it's one each, each page consists of a page of a reprint so it's not that they didn't go across both pages into the gutter so right that's because it's, it's the, about 25 percent that is readable yeah that's because the the proportion of the magazine changed yes so they didn't format these things these weren't edited by you know idw or eagle moss to, to make it legible and readable this is just the way they were it's the it's these double page things that they it's 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 foul. It's egregious. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm torqued. I'm pissed. Big and time. we we don't bitch often, but I think this is one of those instances where we have just cause to complain. And we were so I mean, it, it's, you can't read it's, 
no, yeah, it, it's. I mean, it, it, we, we were looking forward to it. It, it was. I, you would think that just if you're gonna go all out and and reprint everything from everywhere that you would top to bottom do an outstanding job and not realize okay well we've done all we, we know how the comics are going to look now we're getting to these odd shaped re- you, you it just should have been thought out better right if if they had any archival concerns they would have made this volume a special volume in the series that did not have the same form factor as all the other ones because the material demands that it does not Form follows function. If you have landscape formatted strips, you publish a landscape formatted book. It's there's there's no other way about it. You just either you do it right or you don't do it at all. So now they have a rep. I will look twice and thrice. Whenever I see that eagle moss on the back, I'm gonna want to see the contents of it before I buy it. There you go. Yeah. Way to I mean, go. is eagle moss really known for? I mean, this no. is probably the first time we've ever talked about Eagle Moss other than the little little lead figurines. So. Well, they do publish. The, but the, even the, that, yeah, those there's have a the book. little magazines with them. Yeah. yeah. And they're shite. Well, I wouldn't say that. They are what oh, they those are. those books are shite. But you can read them. Yeah, but I mean, it's basically and, copy and paste from stuff off the web. It's like a glorified Wikipedia and, entry. And another thing that, that bothers me is, did no one at IDW look at these things? The, the IDW logos on the back about the size of two postage stamps. Like it's a big logo. You, mm-hmm. Your 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 company name is on these things. Why mm-hmm. would you do this? Right. It's, it's just this? it's just generating bad karma. Like somebody said, yeah, sign off on it. Whatever. We'll probably sell ten copies. Once people see this, they're not. There's definitely not going to be a volume two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can almost guarantee that. So and there's more material in the vaults from this. Whatever. I'm I'm just but I have happy things to talk about. So does Dab. So let's move on to those. Jason I want to hear what Jason's got though. Yeah, why not? He's been kinda quiet. Yeah, we all doing that Star Trek thing. I gotta give you all your, your time, time to shine. <laughs> you know? I read a freaking ton of stuff I love this week. A ton. Excellent. Oh, he's back. Woo-hoo. Oh, I've been back. The last few weeks have been great. I you I've know been, I've been loving everything. It's, uh, it's the counseling you received. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, man, let me think what I want to talk about because I'm going to speak on a lot of it. Um, let's. Uh, I'm going to start. You know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the thing that tickled me the most. Um, uh, Kill them all by Oni Press, a graphic novel by Kyle Starks, yes, aka the dude who brought you Sex Castle, which I lovingly reviewed when it came out. Uh, the setup: an ex-cop, his partner. A deadly assassin, a murderous team up as they fight from the lobby to the penthouse in search of bloody vengeance. Um, Kyle is a fan of 80s and early 90s pop culture. Sex Castle was an homage to those those uh, 80s uber macho uh, heroes in a Chuck Norris vibe, Chuck Norris Rambo type of vibe. Uh, this is his homage to the movies like. Um, uh, like Die Hard um, and on those cop movies that uh, those buddy cop movies and it is just an unabashed love affair in those kinds of things if you're not familiar with, with Kyle's cartooning style 
it's very it's very simple um he is telling the story first and foremost it's very his books tend to be very funny uh very very kinetic but uh, you know this isn't hyper detailed stuff these are these are um cartoon comic strip characters that are there to tell the story um, and give you the feeling of what he's trying to evoke, not necessarily to blow your mind away visually. Um, if that's fair, I mean, Dap, you know, Kyle Stark's work, but, um, but I think it's very effective. His cartooning is very effective. If you were to see it without the, the, the dialogue boxes, you, you might think of it as, as, um, you know, as almost like a children's book in the way it's drawn. Um, but the dialogue changes that entirely. And so the premise of this is pretty simple. Uh, you've got a, a woman who is the, uh, she's known as the, the tiger's daughter. And she is, uh, she comes home from a busy day at work with some groceries and some takeout and her no good Nick boyfriend hasn't taken out the garbage. He hasn't done anything. They end up getting in a fight. She breaks up with him. He says, no, I'm breaking up with you. Turns out, though, that her boyfriend is not just her boyfriend, but they are both assassins working for a criminal mastermind. And so because she breaks up with her boyfriend, he not only breaks up with her back, but he tells her boss and her, um, you know, her criminal organization that she is, in fact, working with 5-0 and has betrayed them. And so as a result, she goes instantly from uh, apple of their eye to a pariah where everybody is out to get her. So she wants her revenge. Uh, then at the same time, you've got a former cop who has been uh, kicked off the force, although we don't yet know why. And he is clamoring to get back on the force and will do almost anything to do so. His name is uh, Iruka, Detective Iruka. Um, he was the super cop, again, the diehard kind of model, the, the uber macho cop that just led, 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 a, uh, led a trail of, of mass destruction and body count uh, all in the name of, of, of the greater good, uh, and he now finds himself an ex-cop. And both of their paths, um, unrelated to one another, are brought to uh, fighting the same villain. And the, uh, his name is uh, Requin, which is, uh, we come to find out, uh, French for shark, as it turns out. But Requin is set up in a building, a skyscraper. Well, I don't know if it's a skyscraper. It's a, a 15, I think, story building. And it's his stronghold. And this building has, um, it has, uh, from the, he's at the top, of course, and there is drug running and money laundering and weapons and all sorts of, of criminal activity are going on in this building. And he's got it fortified from the ground up with many, many floors of assassins and mercenaries and the like. And he, he is uh, essentially holed up at the top. And so these three people, uh, the detective, uh, the assassin, and then the detective's partner, um, who's a cop named Khan, um, all are heading to this building to try and get to uh, Requin. Um, but Requin is ready for them, or so he thinks, and in classic 80s uh, action movie form, he calls in all the big guns, including a litany of mercenaries, um, and they are basically all holed up on each floor, uh, ready to take on the uh, the impending challenges. And this, uh, this is basically from there, it becomes a nonstop crazy action film where the three of them go floor by floor, whooping ass and taking names, taking out all types of uh, baddies um, and doing it with style, flair, and funny. 
and uh, they make their way up to uh, to the big battle to fight on the big bads. And um, well, in in great action form, action movie form, they they uh, they they persevere and they win at the end. Um, and uh, it's just super satisfying if you have any any affinity for for those '80s action films. This comic is perfect for you. And one of the things I love about Kyle is he's legit laugh out loud funny with his dialogue. Um, and he just he just is unapologetic in how he revels in the stupidity of those of those those eighties films. So there's um there's a scene there's a scene where uh the cop is getting they're getting ready to uh to invade the building and he's holding two guns in his hands and he's like let's not he's like he's like now let's gear up son and then the uh the straight man the, the con he's like holy crap you have a junk you you just have a trunk full of guns and you look and, the, and the, there's literally the dude opens up his old beat, beat up car and then the car is full of guns and he's like yeah it's my carsonal you don't have one carsonal vince a carsonal dude a carsonal that's, and then the guy's like, that's you, very witty you have a trunk full of guns and then the dude's like when are you gonna stop being weirded out by how hard as hell i am uh <laughs> and then he's like dude you're making this a two flask job buddy and then he's got like he's got the the obligatory liquor flask that the heroes have, and he's got one in left his left pocket and one in his right pocket. Um, so it's just, I mean, it's great stuff. And then at one point, the uh, the tiger's daughter is uh, runs up against one of the assassins that's there to uh, fight her, and it's a it's another um, it's it's another woman um, who she had found out during the beginning of the book was uh, was boning her her man, and uh, and they're like. She's like, uh, she's like, uh, I'm here to get my revenge, kill them all. And then they've had a heart to heart and they're looking at each other and she's like, so are we fighting or what? And then the, the other girl's like, nah, we're cool. And then she says, good, because I think my hand is broken. I've been thrown out of two windows today. Defenestrated. That's the word for getting out, thrown out a window. And then she's like, it's been done enough that there's a word for it. Yeah, it's a real fucked up world. So just like stuff like that, like any, any book that uses the word defenestrated in the midst of killing hundreds of people is a book perfectly aligned for me. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's just, uh, it's great stuff. It's, it's, it, it's a super fast read. Um, it, you definitely get your bang for your buck though. It's 183 pages. Um, it's digest sized, full color, 1999 cover price. Um, and, uh, as far as I can, you know, I really have to say, I think that, uh, Starks can do no wrong. Um, between sex castle and this and rock candy mountain, the dude is just a beast, um, and uh, uh, just anyone nostalgic for that time period, and anyone that loves big guns and crazy action and over the top dialogue, um, he does too. And he's your uh, he's your Huckleberry if you if you're looking for a comic uh, that fits that. There's a giant luchador that he has to fight. There's a Baba Yaga, an old an old little woman uh, ninja. There's a dude that looks like um, oh, what's the dude's name? Uh, the, the the guy with the mullet, uh, Kenny. Um, the guy that's on all those HBO shows, uh, I can't think of his name right now. But uh, but uh, the the, ba- the big bad's got like a mullet. It's a uh, terrible, like little thin mustache. Um, the uh, the 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 good guy, the straight man detective Khan, is uh, got a fake a fake hand, and that's one of the reasons he's so nice to the uh, to the ex cop because that the ex cop doesn't make fun of his uh, his fake hand, and uh, like everybody else does, and like. Um, there's some crooked cops that show up later and they're like, Oh look, it's, it's uh it's detective claw boy, you know? And it's like, just stuff like that. And he's like, and then he's like, you know, that's really not very nice. That's really not nice at all. 
Um, at one point, uh, there's a dude, he's the machine gun guy, and he's just got this gigantic machine gun, and he's, he's just blazing up uh, the, the hallway, uh, the corridor where the heroes are trying to get through. And so the detective, he, um, he has two golden, golden guns, like golden revolvers. He throws one of the golden guns up into the air, and then he fires the other, a bullet out of the other gun. That bullet hits the golden gun that's in the air and causes it to shoot from the right angle so that he can take out the machine gun guy. It's just badass. It's just, it's just, it's just ridiculous stuff. Um, uh, like all the cops show up, and then the, the ex-cop realizes that every single cop is on the take. And that's actually why he's off the force, because he wasn't willing to be on the take. Um, so, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just great. It's just nonstop 180 pages of, of, of action and laughs. And uh, I think it's uh, it's well worth your time. I, I flipped through the uh, the preview and and I I was getting a kick out of it. Starks is he always seems to be busy. Uh, I've I've seen his table at Heroes. It always has people around him. Starks is um, he writes the Rick and Morty comic. Yeah, which uh, must be a massive hit for him. I, I know that's a huge show for a lot of people. He. Um, he, he apparently he uh, he had a hand in Secret Wars two T O O the, uh, the 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 parody offshoot issue from that event, uh, and I'm reading one of his well I read the first issue of his newer book uh, Dead of Winter. Oh, okay, so he, cool. He is, oh, he is, right, he is a right. Busy yeah, dude. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, this yeah, sounds sex- good, Jason. Sex Castle was nominated for an Eisner for Best Humor Book. I don't think it won. Um, I could be wrong. I don't think it did, though. Uh, it would have been my pick, though, for sure. Um, no, it's really good, man. It's uh, it's just, you know, he's he's just, I don't know. Like, it's just like he he's one of, it's like mystery, it's like what Mystery Science Theater does with, with movies like this, but without, without the uh, annoying holier-than-thou attitude. I was like going to say, you do want me to read this, right? No, that's but what then, I hate. Yeah, Mr. Science Theater. He, me too. He, he, he yeah, takes too. the he takes the ridiculousness of the genre and embraces it and, and right. swaddles himself in it. Whereas things like MS3K like make fun of it, like they're cooler than than yeah. it. You, you know. know what? This is serendipity because I have two things that perfectly jive with what you have. The one, ninjas. Nice. To the embracing of the the, the classic genres and, and tropes, it's, it's yeah crazy. It's like I, we didn't contact each other before this, but it seems like what we have read is in line with each other. And just I was looking for this. I just wanted to look at the actual quote because I don't want to bastardize it. But um, but Starks, in describing his own work, said that um, Sex Castle was his love letter to the '80s action movies. As to this is the, his love letter to the 90s action movies, Buddy Cops, The Strange Killers, Dangerous Crime Cabal, Skyscrapers to fight in. He said he was inspired to make Sex Castle after watching Roadhouse for the 300th time, and he made this after seeing The Killer for the first time in over a decade. Oh, so, Killer's a uh, great movie. Yeah. He then immediately rewatched Hard Boiled, and it all started falling into place. Nice. Oh, so, ding, I mean, ding, you, ding. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. It's like Die Hard, Hard Boiled. All those John Woo flicks, all of that. It's uh, with some, with some, 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 you know, over the top, uh, you know, comedic interludes. Thrown Sweet, in. I'm on it. Is he going to be in New York City? I think he might be. Actually, I um, I'm a I don't him. know offhand, but I think he might be. This was a Kickstarter. It was a Kickstarter, which is another 
that's another story entirely because I, I didn't back the Kickstarter. Um, and you know, lo and behold, a year later, I've got a beautiful uh, spot varnished, glossy, uh, you know, uh, soft cover collection from Oni. So, you know, I'll leave that as to whether you were better off getting the Kickstarter or not. I'm sure he needed the Kickstarter to get it off the ground, but sure. But event, but the point is, it made its way to Oni, as all of his books seemingly do. So, right. Very cool. Very. What's up, Dap? Not much, Vince, and you? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Come on, fess up. What do you got? Um, well, I don't, I, I kind of didn't want to follow something awesome up with something that kind of wasn't, but, um, Aiden. yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll just throw this out there because I'll, I'll find something else to be happy about once I get it out of my system. But I, um, I did some catching up, um, I should have went with my second choice, but I caught up on the current ongoing Punisher series written by Becky Cloonan. Um, art for the most part by um, Matt Horak. There is a um, there is an issue which is one of the better looking issues by Chris Anka. It is colored by Frank Martin. Uh, there is one issue that has pencils by uh, Laura Braga and uh, a lot of Zen Fendino. It is, it's one of the, all right, there are issue numbers specifically, like what, what issue numbers? What I'm spread? sorry. Yes. I'm starting with number eight and I am, I've read up to number 16, which was the most recent issue that, uh, that was out as of last week. So I, I read the first seven cause I had, ordered them because for their first few issues, we had that wonderful Steve Dillon art. It was the last book he was drawing before he passed. And, you know, Punisher is pretty much a instant buy for me. It, it is, it's one character that I have pretty much all of his, um, all of his ongoings from the, the Marvel Knights days and, uh, most of not most anymore, but a lot of uh, the earlier stuff, the the Punisher ongoing that that um, Baron and and Dixon and a few other people wrote, and then the Punisher War Journal, Punisher War Zone. I like the character. It's as much as I I, I, I used to say it a lot more. As, as much as it makes Vince cringe, but it, it, it for a time it was a guilty pleasure. It was just something that I it was pure escapism and, and uh, for the most part, most people can write and draw a good Frank Castle Punisher story. Um, I'm sure Clunan can write mm -hmm. a, a good Punisher story. I really do believe that there are stories that writers write that cater to their artists' strengths. And the story that Clunan started with that I'm guessing she's seeing through in its entirety would have been fine, would have been enjoyable, would have been uh, 
acceptable for Steve Dillon drawing it. And Dillon has a a way, he has a style that because it's the Punisher, because it's dude running around shooting people, Dillon's style adds a slight bent to it where it's 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 humorous. It's 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 not based in reality. So it's you know, if if someone's going to have a conversation in a car for three blocks with someone whose head was just blown off. It's not, you don't fling the book across the table saying it's bullshit. It, it, Dylan would pull that off. And the artists mm-hmm. that are telling that are, that are drawing Clunan's story can't pull that off. The, the art is, is stiff in a lot of places. I just, I have in all caps underlined three times rough with exclamation points. Uh, there is, um, there are it's it is now a, a shell of what came before it under Dylan's pen. It it is it's the main story went about twelve twelve issues, the the, the first arc, and it was you know, Frank was trying to take down a, a drug ring that is um the condor is is the the person in charge of it and and under him is a uh is a guy named olaf who's pretty much his his uh chief of security and is a former marine i believe he was even a co um he was frank co back when when frank served and there is a a serial killer who goes by the name face who basically when, when he he removes the faces from from their skull and has a wall of, of trophies um and there's a there's a drug. Uh, it's not quite like MGH. It, it's a bit more extreme, and uh, really fucks with people. And and it's pretty much an instant overdose, no matter what how much you take of it. Uh, face ends up getting injected and goes absolutely batshit insane. There is a um, there's an FBI agent who is after the drug ring and. By association ends up going after Frank. Uh, the fight scenes are not good. The um, it it really is just one of those stories where I I probably would enjoy it if it looked better. And it we've kind of seen. I'm not saying we've seen every Punisher story under the sun. We we we've seen Frank. I, We've seen Frank be a black dude. We've seen strange things happen to the Punisher. There's one story I've never read. I don't really have any intentions to, and that's where, you know, he was the avenging angel. And and they've done some stupid shit to the Punisher. Uh, this isn't stupid, but it's just not. It's not attractive. I, I'm. I'm. It. It was. It was close to painful to get through to 13 issues, and then I. I mm. I get to there are a couple done in ones because now now Frank is back in New York City. Uh, he is um, he's helping people sort of. Apparently, when he he comes back to town, one of his guns is missing from his arsenal. Turns out that a couple of school kids took it. Uh, the kid wanted the the latest handheld video game system, so he sold it to a pawn shop. 
pawn shop guy uh, who Frank knows sold it to a woman who is getting abused by uh, her boyfriend, I think, maybe husband. I, she has a kid. I don't think the kid is from him. but uh, So she bought it for protection. But Frank, um, Frank tracked it down, and he's just... He, he he wants his gun back more than anything else. He just yeah, he's a responsible gun owner apparently, and, and he doesn't want it in the wrong hands. And he uh, he that was a done in one. There was another story where um, these guys bring down a power grid because they're trying to break into a museum to steal something. Uh, Frank is in the wrong place at the wrong time, and and he saves the day. And then we get face again who's now now pretty much looks like the messenger of death and and the, the between the um the drugs being in his system it's it's warped his his body and and his skin and he just he, he he's scary looking and and just um completely off his rocker he is uh issue 16 ends with him wanting a um, a face to face final confrontation with um, with the Punisher and and basically there's a whole hostage situation and it's just um, I'll part of me just wants to read it just to say I did and and that's it it I really have no problem dropping books but for some reason I just I kind of want to it, it's the Punisher it, it, it just has an unnatural hold on me and I, I kind of want to see how um if they just if it gets if they pull it off if they manage to just stick any sort of landing but it is a uh i just i i would absolutely love to be here and and lavishly praise a punisher book it's just unfortunately i i cannot do that with this one i i've read other work by clune and i i don't dislike work i i fine writer um and i'm sure there's a punisher story that she could tell with the with the right partners and and i do think that steve was that partner uh i would have liked to have seen the story and oh who wouldn't but i mean it i it would have definitely it probably would have ended the same it just would have looked differently and it would have just made it um it, it would have drastically changed my my feeling on it all. I it, it's just I need it. There were just it, some of it was kind of like I'm going to draw the way Steve would, but Horak's art is just very stiff and and rigid and doesn't have that that that. Uh, I don't know if wistfulness is the right word, but just doesn't have that charm. And, and it's just, it, it's not, it is basically it doesn't have the, the artists are not the right look for, for the story for, for what they're trying to do with this. Yeah. I was looking at some of the pages and yeah. it does look like someone or the artist himself said, do it like Steve Dillon would. Yeah. Because the traces, the traces are there visually. There, there it, are some expressions on, on yeah. like especially Frank's face. Yeah. You kind of get that. Okay. This is where Steve was going and, and I can kind of do that, but you don't, you can't just draw a face and have it like that. I mean, it, it's like, 
the rest of the body or the backgrounds or the other people in on the page is just it's yeah it, it's, it's kind of it, messy it's become it's be, because of dylan's experience you don't get that yes. good overnight and he had a, a long and varied career Mm-hmm. of of magnificence and then so you're you're taking a someone who does not have that and say you know approximate what this guy did and it's impossible it is right 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 yeah, yeah. i i would hesitate to i mean there there are probably a lot of professionals who've been doing this for a long time that couldn't approximate steve dillon so mm-hmm. right but there are it, it, i'm not sure which pages will make it in the episode notes but um there i did include some of the pages from uh Chris Anka and, and it's mostly Horak's work, but it's um, yeah. I looks like it, there's part eleven of, me, of them that's going to appear. Okay, um, I'm not sure which ones you're picking, but it, it's one of those things where <sighs> I I praise I praise the the I more or less praise the issues that Steve drew, and I, I know that um, we'll sometimes hear from people, we'll get listeners hit us up, especially some patrons where they like, you know, you guys talked about this book and, or, you know, if you guys like, we, we haven't talked about community challenge. And I mean, there are a few other things where we, we, we've talked about the first couple issues and, and things have trailed off. This was one of those things where I didn't want to just let it, let it go out into the ether. I, this is for you guys. I, I, I read this and, uh, we, we can move on now. Ah, it sucks when you don't enjoy the Punisher. Yeah. Yeah, he's that's your Marvel Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> well sure it's not like Spider Man these days, but yeah. Yeah. Well you know what? I'm gonna bring the room way, way, way up. Good. Yes, because like I said, Jason, I got ninjas and you're just gonna love me when you mm-hmm. hear what this is about, my friend. I always love you, I mean Oh no. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm gonna take you all to Century City. Have you ever been there? Century City. Never. Do you know uh, whom Century City is the stomping ground? Doc uh, Savage. No, dude. The Green Hornet and Cato. Oh, yeah. Same, yes, yes. Same yes. ilk. Uh, yeah, give or take. Um, <laughs> I read an entire omnibus. This is the Green Hornet. Get out of town with yourself. Oh, I loved it. This is the Green Hornet Omnibus, Volume 1, written by, now, brace yourselves, Kevin Smith and Phil Hester. Uh, yes. Kevin Smith wrote the, the lion's share of the issues in this book. Uh, once he departed, Phil Hester took over. Uh, early run breakdowns by Phil Hester. Art by Jonathan Lau, color art by Ivan Nunez, Bruno Hang, and Adriano Lucas, and awesome covers, I gotta give the man his due, awesome covers by Alex Ross and a host of Fine Fellas. I know you're up the pulp's ass when you are singing Alex Ross's praises. Well, no, as a cover artist, Alex Ross is very good. Well, yeah, on, on... On that stuff, there are definitely there are. Yeah, I really dislike Alex Spider-Man. Ross, exactly. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't do Spider-Man justice. What's with the shiny? Stop it! I know. I know. Um, we know you're a phenomenal, a phenomenal. 
a phenomenal painter, but not everything has to be shiny. You know, stop. Now, for me to praise the work of Kevin Smith, that's a stretch. I More often than not, I'm not enamored with Kevin Smith's work. He's far too jokey. Uh, he resorts to dick and fart jokes way too many times, for my taste. He's uh, entirely convinced that he's Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. He, he he buys into his own mythology a lot. Um, in in short, I I don't groove on a lot of his things. I like the Jay and Silent Bob comics; they were fun. But that's Jay and Silent Bob, right? I I wasn't crazy about his Green Arrow work. Um. And his Batman work even less. So when I uh, heard, read that Kevin Smith wrote this, I'll be honest, it was the characters that lured me to it because I love the Green Hornet. And um, the history of this thing is pretty cool. Kevin Smith wrote a screenplay for a Green Hornet movie. And this is before the Michael Gondry abomination, uh, the Seth Rogen thing. Um, and he stepped, after he had completed it, he was pleased with what he did, but he realized uh, unabashedly that he did not have the directorial chops to pull it off. So he respectfully backed out of the project, the contract, and the script just sat there and it never got made. More or less, because the Gondry thing borrows heavily in, from some aspects of Kevin Smith's screenplay. They took the good stuff and dipped it in poop, and they filmed it. Like, have you ever seen the, the Seth Rogen movie? Uh, um, way more than I wanted to. It's, yeah, I guess I have. It's, it's astoundingly bad. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love bad movies. This is this is one of those so bad it's bad. Right, it's it's right. it, it is an abomination. Um, but the Kevin Smith screenplay, had it been made in 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 the stead of that Michael Gondry movie, it would have we would have been talking about the Green Hornet movie as one of the very good superhero movies because it is very good. I'm gonna tell you about it. There's a uh, back in the day sequence that it opens with. And uh, it opens with the original Green Hornet, who we all know, Jason, right? Is, is, right. Is, is newspaper magnate Britt Reed. And of who? Of course. And Britt Reed is the what? Great, the goat? He's the great. Ne- <laughs> Britt Reed's great uncle was the Lone Ranger. Yes. Yes. Yes, John John Reed. But but so so now you have uh the Green Hornet and his ever present sidekick Cato. Mm-hmm. They're in Century City, home turf, and they're busting up a meeting between the mafia led by Don Finelli and the Yakuza, which is helmed by Oni Yuma. Now Yuma comes to the table and he propositions a ceasefire between the two organizations because they're both getting chopped to pieces by the Green Hornet and Cato. Mm-hmm. And he's like, let's, you know, here's an olive branch, ceasefire, stop for a while, let's join forces, take this bastard out because he's killing us. 
And Don Finelli's like, no way, man. <laughs> you, you can't go up against the Green Hornet. He is, he will, he's got us. Let's just, let's just keep what relative peace we have, let him do what he does, and we'll just try and make ends meet. Um, and in drops Green Hornet and Cato, um, they clean up the place. But um, what makes this instance any different from the last thousand times Green Hornet cleaned up the place? Well, as of the rounding up of these two organizations, getting these goons off the street, Century City is now clean. Green Hornet and Cato have made the play. They've set out what they they've done, what they had set out to do. They've made Century City safe. So Britt Reed goes to his wife and he's like, honey, I'm done. We're finished. I'm going to make up for all the lost time. You know, you've been missing me. Our, our young son, Britt, has been missing me. I'm going to be a father. I'm going to, I'm going to do that newspaper thing. I'm, I'm going to be there for you. Cato goes his way, his own way. Um, but flash forward, things don't always work out as planned. Um, in the span of time, Reed's wife dies of cancer. And that's the suck. That is the, it's a big time suck. And Britt Jr., who grew up without a mom, he's a spoiled brat, can't keep a woman. He's got commitment issues. He's living off daddy's dime. Daddy is the owner of Century City's Sentinel newspaper, which I found it very funny. Like the Daily Planet, the Sentinel building has something incorporated into the architecture that, you know, that triggers instant recognition in those that, that see it. Instead of a giant planet on top of the Daily Planet, the Sentinel building has a giant working typewriter built in to the architecture. Like, you're thinking, ah, that's kind of goofy, but it's kind of cool, right? It's, it's pulpy. It works for me, and it actually plays into the story. Um, so Britt Reed running this newspaper, uh, uses his influence as the owner and editor in chief of this newspaper to help out the mayor, Mayor Scanlon. Britt identifies with him. He thinks he's a good guy. He's like what he's doing. He, he's in, you know, he's, he, he backs him anytime, uh, Mayor Scanlon does something, gets the front page. Somebody lambastes. Mayor Scanlon gets buried in the back. Like, it's newspaper. It's what happens, right? Um, Mayor Scanlon is currently running for re-election. So Reed's helping him out. He throws a party for him just to, you know, drum up some support, get that name out there again. N- no news is, is bad news if, if you're running for office, I guess. Um, so Reed throws a party for Scanlon. Who shows up in Century City? the hotshot son of Oni Yuma, the Yakuza boss, um, who, we learned, died in prison. Uh, the young man is now a video game developer of some renown. He's a player, you know, much like Brit, only with uh, less recognition. Also attending the party is a very attractive young Asian woman by the name of Mulan. More on her later. The party is crashed by a costume villain in a fedora who calls himself the Black Hornet. 
and he's got a group of ninjas with him. Ah, and they tear up the place, and there's much fighting. And the young Asian woman throws down like she can fight. She's a formidable fighter. She's taking guys out left and right. Mm-hmm. During the the battle, old man Reed is shot and killed by the Black Hornet. But this woman protects Britt Jr. Why? Well, it turns out this young woman named Mulan is the daughter of the original Cato. And good old Mr. Reed said, should anything ever happen to me, if I go down, this Mm -hmm. is what you got to do. Get my son out of Century City. Get him out. Take him to China. Just, Just remove him from the equation. And that's exactly what Mulan and her father, Cato, do. So the original Cato's in the story, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not how it goes down because um, young Reed has uh, designs of his own. They tell him, Cato and his daughter tell Brit that, you know what? Your father was the Green Hornet. This is what he did. He cleaned up the city. He was a hero. He was my best friend. I loved him. You have, you know, major, major things to live up to. But we're mm-hmm. getting you out of here. But so Reed doesn't, he doesn't go down that way. He, he, for once in his life, he mans up. He puts on the Green Hornet costume and thinks he could do it. And he, and he can't. And they have to pull his ass out of the fire. They train him to be, well, he's already got some kickboxing experience, but they train mm-hmm. him to be, uh, a fighter they they show him the ropes they give him the they they allow him access he's not allowed to drive the black beauty that's only Cato. only Cato drives the black beauty they 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 give they uh give him access to the hornet's nest and all his father's gadgets the hornet sting is in here there's a cousin Cato has a uh nephew named clutch who's a he's to the green hornet what um what was the bat the guy in batman the the special person who would work on the batmobile that character in batman the 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 kid who would come into the the bat cave and work on the batmobile what was his name andrew arnold arnold the, so that's he's the arnold to to uh green hornets uh clutch or was it harold was was one of those? You know what I'm saying? Yes, it was one of those. Absolutely, yeah. But anyway, there, there, so the young uh, Yuma turns out to be the villain. Uh, there's another villain, but I won't spoil the beans because it's pretty cool. If you saw the movie, you kind of know what's what's going to happen. Um, there's a subplot involving the guidance system for a bleeding edge plane that's capable of zipping in to enemy countries undetected dropping a nuclear payload and zipping out and you do the math right um i thought this was fantastic it's it's number one it's everything the green hornet movie wasn't it's riveting great character development in the spirit of the original characters not that seth rogan crap um mm-hmm. the, the how you really feel no the art uh i i will say that Phil Hester helped out immensely. He did the breakdowns. Jonathan Lau just followed his lead. It's somewhat dynamite esque in in the figure rendering. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, men are very angular. Uh, there's way too much attention paid to detail that doesn't really matter at the expense mm-hmm. of some of the figure work. But the sequentials are spot on because of Phil Hester's involvement. And when Phil Hester gets the writing helms, it just stays good. It starts off good, gets great, stays that way because of Phil Hester. There's 15 issues in this volume. I loved it all. I thought it was amazing. Mulan, is, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's got that legacy factor built in. The daughter of Kato, the, the, the son of Britt Reed, the original Green Hornet. So you got the legacy built in. They're, they're, they're great characters enjoyable it's got the cloak and dagger that we expect it's got the street element that we expect the gadgets are there i thought it was great i was pleasantly surprised that kevin smith wrote this and when did this come out uh let me get the book right here Uh, i'm sure it'll say when it was originally published and you know there there he is kevin smith and the leopard can't change its spots so there are some jokes in this. There's a, a running gag about the fedora. Uh, mm-hmm. Britt Jr. thinks it's kind of goofy. Then he doesn't think it's goofy. And Cato always thought it was goofy. Uh, there's uh, a sexual tension between Mulan and uh, Britt Jr. Like moonlighting. They never consummate anything. But there's a very strong physical attraction between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, da, 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 da. Looks like says this is 2017, but that's the publication date of this um, collection. You know what? I can't really say. I would guess anywhere from 2014, 2013, around there. Mm-hmm. And and you get 15 issues for 29.99. Now I bought nice. th- I bought this from Discount Comic Book Service, so I got 15 issues for fifteen dollars. That's a dollar an issue, my friend. Dang! You get um, 2010. 2010. Woo! Yeah. My my man. You get an intro from Kevin Smith. You get back pages from both Phil Hester and Andy Parks, who picked up after Phil Hester departed. There's all the covers, including the variants. It's an amazing book. I I wholeheartedly recommend it, especially to people like myself who are in tune with the pulp characters. If you are, you will step away from this saying, that Kevin Smith, he did right by the Green Hornet. All right, all right. Yep. That's cool. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... uh, it's I can't make you. I can't make you love it. I can't even make you. I can't no, even make you like it. No, true. But true. at least you respect my loves enough to let me let me ramble. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you're my boo. I mean, how could I not? This Aww. is it's so. It's so good. The 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 fight scenes, the choreography is they're great. And again, whether um, they are not, it's Phil Hester. Like initially, the first handful of issues the fight scenes are kicking literally mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. and then they stay that way so maybe jonathan lau learned something from phil hester his, his lead or uh maybe he was just that good i don't know but the proof is in the pudding the pages look great right yep sweet dude 
Love it. Onward I'll to something else. Love it. Uh, okay, so let's talk for a second about um, Savage Town. Ooh. Oh. I'm just trying to find it here. Sorry. I got a stack here. There it is. It's a stack variant oh. bubble wrap. On the bottom of my stack. Oh, I know what you're doing. You still got them in the bags from DCB Service. Well, no, that well, that was a bag of of, of single issues sitting on top of this trade. So, Savage Town um, by Image Comics, uh, published by Image Comics, uh, written by and yes, you heard me correctly, written by our good friend and fantastic cartoonist Mr. Declan Shalvey, illustrated by Philip Barrett. Colors by Jordi Belair, letters by Clayton Cowles. This is Savage Town, which is an original graphic novel of Declan's creation. And this is definitely a passion project for him. It's something he's been ready to do for a long time. So it's wonderful to see him be able to realize uh, a dream, which is to uh, to put this book out there into the ether. Um, it's it is a book set in – he wanted to do a book that was set in the environment that he grew up in. <laughs> uh, so this is set in the town of Limerick City. Uh, again, it's called Savage Town. It's named after uh, Jimmy Hardy Savage, who is a, a, a small-time, dare I say, two-bit ga- uh, gangster in the town of Limerick. And – he is, uh, you know, as as he's, as a criminals want to do, he's he's always making moves. He's he's trying to stay one step ahead, um, playing playing fast and loose, playing different people against one another, that sort of thing. Um, not a particularly likable fellow. He's a, a brusque, aggressive. Um, he, he looks a little bit like Nuke. You know, he's got that that shaved blonde head. Um, Bulky, but but also heavy set. Um, you know, uh, just just a, again, just a, a more of a uh, more of an antagonist than a than a than a, than a protagonist in the book. Um, but but it, the book does center around him. He's married. Uh, he's got a couple kids, but he's basically just on the grind. He's trying to make a living by by uh, committing committing crimes and, and getting profit where he can, and. Through a series of circumstances, he is pitted in between the two big-time gangs in the town. The serious business. Jimmy and his crew are, are, two, are two-bit, and they're, they're tolerated by the other gangs because they're likable enough and they do enough in service of these other more organized groups that, that, uh, that they can coexist. But it's not always easy, and... This is a story of Jimmy and his crew getting caught up in, through a series of, of, of uh, fascinating interwoven circumstances. Um, they get caught up in some shit, and things don't go according to plan, um, and Jimmy has to work a lot of machinations and get a little bit lucky and be a little bit savvy in trying to uh, extricate himself and his crew from this mess. Um, it is very, to me, it's, it's, it's evocative. It's the same kind of, um, this feels right at home in a world that you'd get from, from, from Garth and Steve. Uh, 
you know, it's it's that it's that kind of setting, um, that kind of caricatures. Yeah. Uh, Garth Ennis and, and Steve Dillon. It's it's it could be the spiritual cousin of say the movie Snatched. You know, um, the, the the one of the things I found most charming about it was the setting, um, knowing that it was very much the setting that uh, I don't believe Declan is from Limerick, although I think he'd lived there for a time. Um, the other thing about this book. And I loved it. Hopefully, you will too. Is it is written? It the, the word balloons are written largely with a strong Irish accent and affectation. Oh yes. So, not a problem for me. I am of Irish descent, and I don't generally have a problem with those kinds of affectations. But uh, you know, be warned. Um, as far as that goes, um, this could easily you you as you're reading this, you could easily see this as being a kick-ass movie. Um, you can just picture the characters. They all come to life. The supporting characters are great. There's, there's just the right tinge. Circumstances. Um, his supporting cast is fantastic. There's a, there's a, an African American member of his, of his group, the driver, and, and they call him Blackie. <laughs> and like he walked at the beginning of the, they're at a, they're at a pub and, uh, Blackie walks in and, and a bunch of guys just start throwing racial epithets at him um, before we know that he's part of the crew. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're all just give. I mean, just like boys would be in a crew. They're just they give each other shit all the time. All these guys are just busting each other's asses up and down um, the, the what his wife and he just go at it. Um, uh, the women are hilarious. They, they there's, a, there's a part of the book where the, the the his wife and some of the other wives and girlfriends sit around. Uh, shooting the shit, and they just start talking all kinds of mess about their 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 men and uh, stepping out on their men and, uh, and and just kind of ripping each other. It's just it's just great stuff. It's 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 very character driven. Um, I want to convey that this is this is Declan showing off his chops, getting you to care for the outcome of a bunch of different disparate characters in a very uh, he he does a wonderful job in in a relatively short amount of 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 space of getting you to know. And care about a litany of characters ranging from uh, Jimmy to Frankie to Blackie to Jimmy's wife. Um, and I have to say, that's not an easy thing to accomplish um, because these are all new characters to all of us. Uh, so the the book has a tr- the book's a I don't want to say it's a crime caper per se, but there is a caper involved. And I will tell you that the the, the book is entertaining from start to finish. But Deck really brings it home in the end because there's an awesome climactic twist that I didn't see coming, and I give him I tip my cap to him on that. Um, uh, and it's a very cinematic twist. Um, you can almost hear the music in your head rewinding to show you how the, what happens happens because it probably was there for you to see the whole time, but you don't see it until it's right there for you to see at the end at the unveiling. Um, so yeah, a, a great a great inaugural start. I, I have not looked around to see other reviews or commentary about the book, so I sincerely hope it's being well received. Um, the it's interesting in that um, I love Declan's cartooning, so I was a little nervous about the idea not of his writing, um, but that he didn't choose to write and draw it. Um, I, I was not aware of, of Philip Barrett's work. Um, beforehand, but uh, number one, he had to be okay because anyone with the name Barrett is uh, has got to be aces. 
uh, and um, and no, but it's it's the the artistic style is I would say somewhere in between Dylan and Crumb. That's a you pretty know? pretty big spread, my friend. No, I know, I know. I'm I'm just trying to say like more more to the Dylan side, but a little a little you know just a little more um i don't know intense you know I, I, intense areas of detail it depends it depends i mean the, the characters themselves are drawn the faces are evocative of a, of a dylan style but 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 overall it's a little bit looser the people are a little bit more, more exaggerated in how they're drawn well, um, a little more cartoony yeah a little bit more cartoony right yeah that's where i was, I was um uh, kind of trying to trying to get at um but it works. It works for this. I, I don't think that Philip Barrett would be well suited for Deadpool versus Wolverine. I, I don't think it's that kind of style. But then again, I don't really think Steve Dillon is either. Frankly, um, I think it, he worked for the Punisher, but I don't. I don't think I was crazy about Dillon when he did other more superhero-y stuff. Um, so yeah, it just all works, man. It just all works. It's 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 decidedly Irish, and I have no doubt that. That is part of what Declan is going for here, needless to say. So uh, kudos to him on this. And, um, y- you know, there aren't many uh, there aren't many Irish crime books out there. <laughs> so so this, this definitely fills in a niche, but but it's a welcome niche. And it's one that, uh, you know, this fits right up there with any other um, of the well-regarded um, uh, crime-focused uh, comics that I've read uh, since we've been doing the show. So... Uh, tip my cap, and it's also cool that um, that Image is doing no GN. You know they, they've been doing that more lately, um, and I hope they keep it up because you know, normally we think of them more as, as being very quick to reprint ongoing series, but they usually do the issues first. So, um, and uh, our my admiration for the book is in good company because on the back of the of of the OGN are endorsements from Somni, Garth, and Remender. So you can't get much better than that. Nice. I'm going to keep the image trainer rolling. Um, Do it. And, and possibly tag team with DAP uh, and talk about a publication that quickly went from must miss to must read. Uh, it started off as little more than a company promotional tool. It, it, yeah. it, it was weak. It was watered down. Um, it didn't contain all that many comics. I mean, the the here's Negan thing was in there, and I, I you know that was fun. But um, and we're on record as saying the Image Plus magazine for the majority of its first year was inconsequential. It, it was okay. It was it was there, but it wasn't really crucial reading um as far as the the company goes this new incarnation image plus volume two i think they got it right because it's it's timely there is uh where there wasn't before there are previews of books far ahead of their publication date in this thing which makes me use it as a purchasing tool. I went through Image Plus number two, which is what I want to talk about, and it quickly told me 
what books I would like and what books I wouldn't. And I notice that we don't see usually see the preview pages in the Image Plus in the previews, which is great. If you give me additional information on what you're selling, I'm with you. Um, naturally, the big draw of this issue is Rumble Returns. It's the cover story. Uh, Arcudi and David Rubin, and we get to see, we get to see actual pages from the forthcoming Rumble. In addition to a dialogue between uh, David Brothers, who I believe is the editor, and yes. uh, Arcudi and Rubin, character yep. sketches, preliminary drawings, but you get five pages of sequentials from the upcoming relaunched Rumble. Yes. As if I wasn't going to order it already, this convinced me that David Rubin is a god among men. Dude, I've been telling you that. I know, but I, yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, I will not compare him to Heron, but I will say that the book is in very good hands. I'm not saying yes. he's any better or worse than Heron. I just don't want to make the comparison at all. Okay. Um, Ed Piscor has a recurring strip, Image of Youth, where he examines just how extreme, pun intended, the influence of the Image founders were on him and his, what would grow into his style. Like this ish, issue, he talks about Liefeld and the 501 commercial and just like everything Extreme Studios, Piscor loves. We talked about that when he was on. Right, right. And it's it's borne out in the in this strip. Um I did not know that Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson's Happy was going to be a TV series. Yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't know that yeah. either. On yeah. sci-fi, yeah. That's crazy. Yep. Mm -hmm. Chris Maloney. But the thing that really has me going is the Atomahawk pages. <laughs> I ordered the Zero issue. Um, now, Atomahawk, don't hold this against it. But the I, I'm from what I'm told, the the forthcoming zero issue of T a Tomahawk was originally published in the pages of Kevin Eastman's Heavy Metal, which is not a very fine pedigree, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I got to be honest. Um, but this convinces me I made the right decision because I found this to be the most riveting, engrossing beautiful stimulating addition to the entire magazine it it's a uh, a book that is drawn by Ian Biederman and written by Donnie Cates yes. and they they delineate the process they meet they talk about what they want to do with this uh storyline uh Donnie Cates goes home and Ian just draws whatever he wants uh, but when you see these pages, I mean, they're very showly esque, don't you think? Yeah, no, that is that is definitely a a good comparison. I was the the line work reminds me a little bit of um, Headlopper, but the visuals I, I would I would echo 
show. Yes, it it it's it's headlopper by way of bulletproof coffin. Yes, yeah. nice and the, nice. Uh, That's a good endorsement. Yeah, and the, the the Kirby influence is very strong. Uh, flat color for the most part. It is gorgeous. So get your asses out there and get the Atomahawk Zero. Pick up this Image Plus number two. What is it? I think it's free at DCBService.com if you get the previews. But what is it if you go to a comic shop? Is it like less than two bucks? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think it's a dollar ninety nine or something if you don't get the previews. But um, you get an interview with uh, Brittany Matter and David Brothers uh, for their new book, Sleepless Pass. But that's what this book is for. It's to tell me what I want to buy. There's an Invincible piece because I guess Invincible's coming to an end. A book called Parad. Yeah. Paradiso, which I'm going to get. See, this is why this book is valuable. It's showing me stuff mm-hmm. that, that uh, there's a Paper Girls piece, uh, Kingsman, like what's not to love. Um, a book called Cartel, which I'm going to pass on. Witchblade, which I'm also going to pass on. Uh, there's a, wow. A, yeah. I don't like the look of it. Uh, a floating world the, there's a look at the, 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 uh, famous floating world comics, something about Parker gangs, meet the police state in a book called bonehead. Like, Parkour? That's what I said. Parker. Um, uh-huh. so s- manifest destiny, dude, my dudes, it's, it's in here. This is this is something you should be picking up every month, especially if you're a fan of Image and you're just wondering, you know, what's coming up? What am I going to get? And then there's the the witches, a new serial, uh, Scott Snyder, Jock doing witches. I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> Your mileage may vary. What do you think, Dap? Of witches mm-hmm. or the whole thing? Uh, Both. Yeah, no, it's um. I, I didn't I really didn't I, I petered out kind of early with the uh, with the first volume of Witches um, same same I was not wasn't too in love with it um, so I mean the fact that that is a serial in this volume too whereas Here's Negan was the running serial in the first volume I mean that that that's fine um, that's not. Where I don't know if the first volume of Image Plus had preview pages packed like this issue leads me to believe, but the selling feature when Image Plus was first introduced was that there's going to be a Year's Negan serial about the guy from the Walking Dead comic and um, having a witch's story running in the second volume isn't really the, the selling point for me. The Seeing, seeing the pages from Rumble is is amazing. I you know love Aaron's work on it. I, I love Aaron's work. Period. But I think he and uh, he and John made magic with the first volume of Rumble. Uh, I I would have, regardless of just about anybody else drawing a. a new number one a new new rumble series i check out based on the strength of the first volume because i like john arcudi so uh i would have 
looked for it anyway. The fact that Rubin is drawing it is just that that's that's bonus. It it's I gravy. I love it. It it's beautiful, beautiful work. I don't know if um I don't know if these are actual pages for the first issue. They are. Uh they are, okay. Yeah. Um, the, they're exclusive, meaning you can only see them here for right now, but the Atomahawk and Witches, you're only going to be able to get those in Image Plus. Okay. Um, we talked about Rumble. If you weren't reading it, now's your chance to get it with this one. Uh, I, I I think the Atomahawk preview was was fun. It's I. I'm an old Marvel Age guy. I, I like the, the propaganda, the promotional material from the publishers. I, I get a kick out of that. They, they seem to be having some fun with with Image Plus. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, I didn't read the first one because again, that it, it was. It's, oh, it's coming. No, psych, it's not. But it, it's. Um, well, that's I, the, that's the thing. Timeliness is crucial with a magazine like this. And they've been a, they've been behind schedule with this volume two, which they better fix and quick, because mm-hmm. it's very important to get this into the hands of potential readers before mm-hmm. these books come out. So um, I, I think they're on the on the right path to to solving that problem because this issue came out a lot quicker than the first one did. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm, I'm hope I didn't get any of them physically yet. I, I never received the first issue, even though I got the previews, and we've yet to see this volume two. I mean, I, I have a digital version of it, but I, I still didn't get my hands on the, the, the physical copy. So I'm hoping it, they're both in my my uh, upcoming DCBS box, because this is, unlike the first volume, volume two is something I'm going to want to keep. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That says a lot. It does say a lot. It does. All right. So I give it a thumbs up. Dap, are you like semi thumb up or? <laughs> yes. No, I, you're I, semi. I can't, I can't really right. tell. Semi, semi, it's uh, semi hard. It's uh, no, it's, it's, well, shit. It's, it's thumbs up for the rumble alone. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's a thumbs up. There's, there's, there's plenty of information here and, um, and some sweet, sweet art. Cool. All right. We gonna bring it on home? Oh hell no! Oh, what, what you got now? <laughs> Goddamn, dude! Especially if you just cracked open another one. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, what else I got? Um, I have an unusual book that I'm not even sure we can really call a comic per se, but it definitely blurs the lines between. Um, and it gets back to something that uh, Jim Rugg and I discussed uh, a couple months back, which is the he made the point that storybooks, illustrated storybooks, are in essence comic books. They certainly are. Yeah, so you would agree. Okay, good. Well, then this is a comic. Uh, I did order it through previews, so um, but certainly this this would not be what I think an average comic reader would consider a comic. Um, it is called The Little Red Wolf. By Amelie Flechet, F-L-E-C-H-A-I-S. It's published by Cub House. 
And oh, Lion Forge. Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, it's Lion Forge's children. Okay, that yes. makes sense. Okay, perfect. Um, and it's uh, it's a story of uh, it's it's a twist on the Little Red Riding Hood story, uh, where it turns it on its head because in this story we follow along a little red wolf. And uh, you know, there's an allegory here of uh, there are two sides to every story, and in this story, the little red wolf is asked by his parents to take a freshly caught rabbit to his grandmom because his grandmom is um, older and is losing her sight and she's not very good at hunting anymore. So he has to make the trek across the forest to deliver the rabbit. But uh, being the precocious little, little uh, wolf cub that he is, he starts nibbling on the rabbit, eventually eats the entire thing. It's kind of crap out of luck. Um, doesn't know what to do as he's lost in the woods when a blonde little girl comes upon him and hears his plight and says, oh, come back to my house because I have a ton of rabbits and you can have one. So the little red cub, wolf cub, follows her to her house and lo and behold, the little girl is not what he thought and she captures the wolf. And she captures him, awaiting the return of her father, who is set to kill the wolf. Um, and then, um, as with all uh, with all good fairy tales, uh, there is a happy ending. Um, but the power of this book is the illustration. Um, it is absolutely stunning um, paint, you know, uh, painted uh, work with very angular. Um, almost graphic uh, design, but 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 intermittently with 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 very loose brushwork. So, like the trees are are very loose brush. Uh, the the wolves are are loosely painted brushwork. But then, um, the dad is is this just monstrous, dark, angular uh, looking person, and the uh, the the jail cell where he's in is this super dark and you know all darks and gray grays almost almost to the point of being completely matted um angular uh contraption that holds him and um it's very gothic uh and, and it's uh the wolf himself is is this cute little uh it's it's a it is a boy but but you would think it it's drawn almost like a little girl like a little feminine um it's like he's wearing a little feminine red red coat almost like a petticoat looks more like a skirt um and he's got big doe eyes and a, and a little button nose. Very cute. Very cute. Um, the little girl is, is spectral. Uh, she's not a ghost, but, but you, you would, you would think she could be based on uh, the way that she's painted. Um, but man, oh man, is this fantastic. It's, uh, um, it's as, as, as we just alluded with, with it being cub house, it being a children's imprint, perfectly suited for your kids. I'm going to definitely read this to, uh, Holden, uh, probably tomorrow night. Um, but uh, but yeah, this is a classic fairy tale turned on its head. And I have to say, I think it might be better for it. Um, it just seems more ominous to have the humans be the, the evildoers, uh, uh, the things to be scared of. Um, and uh, if you've ever been scared of the forest or of creepy people, uh, this is uh, this is for you. Um, I am I'm I'm definitely not doing Amelie's artwork justice. Um, you kind of have to see it 
to understand it. This is not this art is not analogous to anything that you'd find in a typical uh, comic. So uh, again, it's it's very much each page is almost a painting unto itself, telling its own story. Um, uh, it, uh, and, it looks looks to me like mixed media. Yeah, like I guess it is. As I'm looking through it, yeah, it is yeah, definitely. Like yeah. I'm looking at a spread here mm-hmm. with um, the little wolf accepting what looks it's a rabbit in a in a yeah, package. It's a rabbit, yeah, and mm-hmm. um, there's uh, looks like pencil mixed with watercolor. Yeah. Like there's a blurb mm-hmm. next to the a spread next to the the wolf's head where she lets the the pigment flow and then build up towards right. the, towards the periphery of it and it, i can see maybe a little bit of chalk in there mm-hmm. and some paint yeah it's it's exquisite yeah it's definitely mixed media for sure yeah and then some some pages are 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 uh inter like interstitial imagery some pages are full on the, you know the full page the full bleed um so yeah i mean it's, it's a storybook i mean it, it, the classic description of this would be a storybook more than a comic but uh but uh, yeah, I, I must have ordered it from previews because of uh, the. the uh, we the talked appeal. about it on the uh, on one of the bonus episodes. Did we? we? Yeah, I, okay. I was. I, I had I had the page dog eared, but it, it okay. didn't make it in my budget cut. There you go. Well, you can read it when you get here tomorrow. Now, nice. Let, I'll me take a- it from- let me ask mm-hmm. you: Where's the text placed? Is it on white space or is it on top of the images? Uh, no, it's mixed. Like I said, there are some pages where the the whole page is an image, and there's text overlaid. There are some where the the text is interstitial. Um, there are some pages with no text. So okay. it, it, it's totally a mix. I'm gonna have to see this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in most cases it's a storybook, so in most cases there isn't a ton of text. Right. I mean, it's done like a comic in that in that the text is put within white space most of the time. Good, good. Yeah, but like not with balloons though. You know, more storybook style. Awesome. Where you're just you're just reading a narrative. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's not the text that renders this thing a comic. It's the fact that the images are in sequential order. Correct. Yes. So there you go. Yes. So. But Amelie Fleche. Nice. Mm-hmm. There you go. I like the looks of this. I get my hands on it. And if you would like to see what this looks like and any of the things we talked about, head on over to our website, 11oclockcomics.com. There is a gallery accompanying this image, this podcast, what you're listening to, and you can see for yourself all the stuff we're talking about. Right there on your little device. Right there. Yeah. Right there. Cool. I'm going to go along with my inner travel, so. Oh, nice. I'm going to grab as always, this episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, one word. Fire up your internet uh, browsing device and you will reap tremendous rewards, massive discounts on all your favorite stuff delivered right to your door. You cannot go wrong. You just can't. Guess what, Vince? What? As of about 10 minutes ago, the website's been updated. Not that I want you to assemble. Oh, crap. But yes, it has and been it, announced that the site is updated. And if you go to the DCBService.com website, mm-hmm. you will see for yourself 
the new specially selected books on massive discount, you know, just for you. Okay. Just for you. I am going to take you out of Century City and plunge you into Optic City. Yep. Optic City is the stomping grounds of who? Atlas. The of su- course. The superhero known as Atlas, created by Josh Bayer and Ben Mara. Illustrated by Ben Mara. Color art by Matt Rota. Rick Parker did the lettering. And, of course, it's published by All Time Comics and Fantagraphics Books. Who is Atlas, you ask? Well, you should have read this issue, but I'm going to tell you in case you didn't. Atlas is Johnny Ramond. He's a city planner in Optic City who encounters this alien machinery that transforms him into an ultramatter powerhouse. Now, when this issue um, opens, Atlas is doing something very unlike him. He is assaulting a human being, a citizen, and that citizen's name is Congressman Daniel Walker. Now, Atlas punches him. Atlas is analogous to, in in the all-time comics universe, Atlas is their Superman. They're supreme. They're majestic. He's, He's very powerful. And for him to punch a human, and the human... Like is not is the head is not separated from the body should tell you that there's something else going on with this Congressman Daniel Walker. And I find it very fitting that the evil guy in the book is named Daniel Walker. Um so Atlas attacks him and the people in attendance lose their shit. They're like, What is going on? Atlas is attacking this dude. Some of them are crying. Um in the crowd is uh, a youngster named uh, Wayne. He's the son of Johnny Ramon's fiance. Johnny Ramon is the alter ego of Atlas. So this kid is in the audience. He sees what Atlas does. He takes his icy slush drink that he's drinking and he throws it at Atlas. It hits him in the face. And all the people are going crazy. And the only thing that could separate Atlas from his powers is fear. So Atlas loses his powers and he's taken to jail. And he's like, all right, I want to see what where this is going. He's taken to jail for assaulting a citizen. And um, while this is going on, it, naturally, it's the information age, it's broadcast on TV. Atlas, incarcerated, attacked Congressman Daniel Walker. Uh, Toby, Way- Toby Way, Atlas's best friend, sees it. It's like the Jimmy Olsen to Atlas as Superman. Um, and he does... So, how am I going to help my buddy Atlas? He's in jail. Well, he gets himself thrown in jail. What does Toby do? He goes around lifting up girls' skirts and breaking, mm-hmm. and breaking windows, and the cops haul his ass off to, to the jail. Um, so, the, the rub of the whole thing is this Congressman Walker wants to implement... Um, a defense contract called the Colony Project. 
and he's got some kind of goofy powers of his own. He can he could be he's I think it's telekinetics, telekinesis. He can be very persuasive. He can get into your mind, and um, he he kind of puts the Mac on. Um, telekinesis is where you can move stuff with your mind. So. Right, but it's maybe it's a uh, an intentional gaffe by mm-hmm. Bayer because it's it's called telekinesis in the book. Oh, okay, you know it's it's all tongue in cheek. But yeah, like, yeah. like you were saying about um, embracing what what has come before and and traditional superhero books and that that um, the glory days of when we would read a superhero book not for the event or or as a springboard for something else but just for the the honest to God's sake of enjoying a, a story featuring superpowered beings um, that's what all time comics is. And that's what Bayer, mm-hmm. Bayer and Marr and, and, and company are bringing to the table. They they parody old time ads. Like there's a there's a an ad in the back for a, a nuclear powered Polaris submarine mm-hmm. that that you can buy for six ninety eight, mm-hmm. big enough for two kids. Fires rockets and torpedoes over seven feet long. You've got to escape. There's trouble all around you. What better to get away than a submersible machine? Nothing can hurt you when you're deep down in the blacked-out darkness of the never-ending sea of life. 698 is quite a steal for the security and solitude only offered in a child-sized weapon of espionage. And there's more copy. but um, So Toby's in jail, and the inmates set him on fire. They... they <laughs> they 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 douse him in gasoline. They punch him around first, douse him in gasoline, and they burn him. And as he's burned, as he's about to burn, he says, No, help, help me, help me, Atlas. And Atlas somehow feels that his buddy Toby is burning, and they set this dude on fire, like in the prison. And he says, What would you say if someone set you on fire? You'd say, I, I'm burning. <laughs> uh, and, and Toby's running around burning. Atlas comes and puts him out. And he's, and he's naturally, he's burned pretty bad. So he, he goes to the hospital. But meanwhile, the colony project takes effect. And what the colony project is, it's billions and billions of spiders acting oh. in... Acting in unison. And what would billions and billions of spiders do while acting in unison? Why? They'd form the shape of an anthropomorphic monster. And Atlas throws down with the monster, but it's really, he, see, he burns all the, the spiders away with his um, ultramatter powers. And inside mm-hmm. the spider creature is, or in, damn it, inside this creature is a gigantic vagina spider. It has a the mouth on the on the spider looks like a vagina to me. These comics are so much fun, but when you got Ben Mara and Josh Bayer at the helm, it's that extra added oomph, that distorted look that Mara imparts upon his uh, his figure drawing, big head, small hands, intentionally so. That faux naivete that we always talk about but the coloring on this thing is it's so atypical like matt rota he'll he'll throw purple in the background and then 
green as a highlight on someone's face with red eyes. It's like you don't see coloring like this off the shelf. This is so strange. It's alien. It's different. Um, if Picture Box were still in operation... I could see these books being published by Picture Books, right, but right. we we I don't. See that. Yeah, we don't have them anymore. So Fanographics stepped up, which is great. There's an interview in the back with Josh's brother, um, uh, Sam. There's a a column by Al Milgram, where he nice. yeah where he talks about Dan Clow's patients. They have two pages dap of stacked ads. Like the old Marvel and DC books, three three columns of stacked ads. Oh, I'm telling you, and they're all some of them are legit, you know, but some of them are faux. Um, three ninety nine cover price. There is a pull out poster. Well, it's actually a double page spread, but they're calling it a pull out poster by um, Pat Alicio, who I love. Uh, colors by Pat and Jason T. Miles. There's no reason why... Uh, there's Ken Landgraf in here. He does a cover and the inside back cover. There is a faux video game ad in the back with Crime Destroyer coming out of the TV holding joysticks. Mm-hmm. You, you got to be reading this all-time comic stuff. It's That's dope. It's some of the best stuff being published right now by any company. Bayer's on a roll, man. I hope this stuff has legs. Because mm-hmm. I want to read this for years and years and years. I want an all-time comics omnibus, three inches thick, volume one, and then we'll take it from there. Damn. These are my favorites. I love them. Ba- Bayer's my boo. Is he boo? He is. He, is he so boo. is. All right. In your travels, firstly, um, should we run down the choices for the book of the month. Yeah. yeah, And also I think we have a shout out, correct? Yes. Go for that shout out. I believe we have a shout out to our newest member of the uh, EOC Illuminati patron tier, Mr. Brandon Archer. Who was already a patron and he graciously bumped up his patronage. Yes. So, it is October. We have uh, the next batch of 11 books to choose from for this month. Because it is October, we decided to uh, go with a somewhat of a theme. And uh, the voting is open until Thursday, October 12th in the afternoon. So this way on that evening's episode, which will be 499, uh we will announce the winner for everybody to hear. Patrons will know who the winner is. But uh, everybody else will hear it later that week. So we have in alphabetical order Creepy Presents, Bernie Wrightson, the Todd Deluxe Edition, Volume 1, Flinch, Book 1, which I've never read. I'm, I, so whether good. It, Ones or not, I, I you know what I might look for the two volumes or the however many sixteen issues at uh, um, the con this weekend. That's going to cost you. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, get the get the collected editions. I'll get the collected editions. Uh, Harrow County Volume One: Countless Hates, 
Hellblazer Volume 1, Original Sins. Hellboy Volume 7, The Troll Witch and Other Stories. House of Penance. Lock and Key Volume 1, Welcome to Lovecraft. Rat God. The Revival Deluxe Edition Volume 1. And The Wake. Nice. So everything has gotten a vote as of right now. Uh, so we will see. We have 95 votes at the moment. Some people have already started changing their votes around as we get further along. Uh, but um, we still have over 50 people who are still eligible to vote. I'd uh, I'd love to see as many people as they can vote. I know not everybody gets the email alerts when we post something. Um, so if you weren't aware, this is uh, us telling you voting is now open. Get to it. You have just over a week left by the time you hear this, if it goes out Wednesday. Uh, so yes. that that's for this month. Um, in your travels. I would love it if that the 50 people left would vote for something other than the one that's in the lead. Oh, dude, you can't. You can't say that. That's not <laughs> All cool. right. I didn't say that. <laughs> You had tons of people that have already voted for that one and are excited about it. I know. I'm and excited they, about it, too. I just, you know, I just like... To, you just yeah. want something else. Yeah. But as it. other people have pointed out, if they're excited about it, they can go back and listen to plenty of other episodes where it's been talked about. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, hey, my rule is if we put it on there, we better be happy to talk about it. I'm very happy to no talk one for, about it. No one forces... Happy no, no one forces to put that on there if we've already no, talked about it. No. Happy to talk about it's it. It's true. I'm giddy to um, talk about it. Because I'm not only going to read the first one, I'm going to read read most of it. Go. Okay. Uh, in your travels, this is a um, little book I've talked about from Dynamite. One of the few books I would talk about from Dynamite. This was a five-issue miniseries. Uh, the only reason I... This is definitely a book where I I was looking forward to it based on the creative team, not so much the characters, because I know virtually nothing about the characters. But this was a book written by Ryan Brown, illustrated by Pete Woods, colored by Celeste Woods, and lettered by Crank. And this is Project Superpowers Hero Killers, um, which is a little bit of a play on words, because... It could be hero killers, the killers of heroes, or it could be the heroes who are the killers. And it's pretty much the second way to take that because uh, Junior Black Terror, Black Terror Junior, whatever his name is, Vince, he is pretty <laughs> much the dude. This you're gonna. There are going to be a. If I were to review this issue by issue, there'd be a lot of, you know who I'm talking about with this, because I, I aside from, you know, there's Tim, there's 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 Sparky, there's, I mean, they have, there are a bunch of characters that exist. Um, the, 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 these public do many style heroes, characters, and uh, the book was funny. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, Pete's art was great. Uh, it definitely worked, especially with the story Brownie was telling. Uh, the The sound effects are 
fantastic, but it's it's a clean looking book. It looks great. Um, it can be violent. Uh, there is a um, there's one scene where Big Blue is killed by his sidekick. Uh, sidekick. Actually, Sparky kills him. He, he um, and Big Blue then falls back on a robot with an antenna, and the antenna ends up going through the back of Blue's head, pushing out his eyeball. And for some reason, Sparky is just mentally stunted. The kid is majorly touched because he's trying to put mm-hmm. his the eyeball back in the head. Um, and 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 now he's all better. And then the other eyeful. It's just it's it's comedy birds. It's it's very much weekend at Bernie's. But that that's a small part of one of the one of the issues. But um, things go off the rails for our in air quotes heroes. Uh, it turns out that everybody they thought they had killed by using this zap gun. Uh, they may not have actually died. And that's when it gets a little crazier. Um, revenge is um, met. And it's just, there's there's one scene that takes place at a cemetery that very much reminds me of um, an issue of Justice League America drawn by, um, penciled by Adam Hughes. It takes place at a cemetery because there's a... Um, there's a gravestone or statue in the foreground that um, it was after the Despero arc. And, and it was just it. somebody in the league was killed. And it, that panel, I, I don't know if, if it is a homage or if it's just Pete's like, yeah, there's statues at, at cemetery. So why not? But it, it was five issues. It's a lot of fun. I, I, um, it's probably not in canon. I don't think whatever else is going on with, with the project superpowers characters that this plays into anything anyone else is doing. This is just a standalone tale featuring these characters. It's, it's crazy. It's nuts. Um, I, I liked, I liked it more than I thought I would based on my knowledge of the characters, uh, knowing his, little as I did still made it that much more enjoyable. And, and since I have no connection to them, um, I wasn't put off by anything that they did or, or out of how, however, out of character that may be acting. Uh, I don't know if Ryan has a long love or, or history with them. I, I don't know if he just said, you know, Fuck it, they want me to write a book. I'm, this is what I'm going to do with these characters. So uh, it was just, it was weird. I don't know how many, I don't know how many people are going to go running for it when they see it, but it's, uh, I, I think you'd have a lot of fun with it. So if, if you get the chance, definitely check it out. It's um, Project Superpowers, Hero Killers, five issues. i pretty sure I saw the trade uh, solicited, but it's um 
it was funny. I, I, I got a kick out of it. Surprisingly so. I, I definitely um, think people get a kick out of it. I don't think anybody's doing anything with the Project Superpowers line. Which okay. Is, which is probably one of the reasons why this was greenlit. Okay. So it doesn't crisscross anybody's continuity. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there'll be any continuity left to crisscross by the time you get to the end of it. Right. Which most of these characters were probably created for this. Oh, yeah, you think? Yeah, okay. I, I mean, think I, I, I mean, by the time it ends, I mean, you have characters that uh, did, there's one panel where um, I guess it's Captain Battle. He's got the eye patch. And then there's another panel. A hero is in the first of all, there's a tangent. I, I, I don't know if, if Brownie got to see this page before it went to print, but there's three mm-hmm. characters in the middle panel uh, and it's just their shoulders and heads. But then the panel right under that is um, the torsos of different characters almost in line with that so it's just it it looks weird because of different colors and different genders but one of the characters is in a wheelchair and he's got eye patches uh, on both eyes um still screaming screaming and um yelling about his his dead sidekick it's and i don't know who the mayor is the mayor is is just um he's he's throwing out keys to the city like they're candy uh it's no man, it's it's nuts. I like I said, I didn't know what to expect. But it's I would have read so many more issues of this compared to say something else I may have talked about earlier this evening. So I I I, I liked it a lot. I ordered the trade. Ice. Yep. When are you talk on it when you get it? Talk on it. Nice. Um, in your travels, going back to my main man, Jeff Lemire, who is having one hell of a year. Hell of a year. That's your poet. Right? I know. Unintended, but uh, poet didn't know it. Fresh off of his Eisner for Black Hammer, uh, Jeff is is dropping Royal City on us, also by Image Comics. Royal City is his new ongoing book. Uh, where he is both writing and drawing it in the um, in the fine tradition of, of Sweet Tooth and um, uh, Essex County and, uh, oh God, I mean, so many other things. But this is most evocative of Essex County in that it's, um, it is a, a very personal story. It's a, it's a, hu- it's a humanistic story. Um, it takes place in Royal City, which is an old industrial town that has, like most industrial towns, fallen on hard times. Um, industrialization has gone by the wayside and or moved away, leaving the town with dwindling population, um, lack of job prospects, uh, and it's uh, it's it's close to being dire. You know, it's evocative of a Canadian Flint, Michigan, or something. Um, and Patrick. The, the lead character, Patrick Pike, is a novelist of some renown, although at this point it's clear he is, um, he himself is wondering if he was a one-hit wonder because he had a big hit and then his second book was not a hit. It was a flop, in fact, and now he's working on his third and he's well, well, well behind his deadline and he's spent all of his advance uh, and uh, everyone thinks he's this great success who managed to rise up out of the town, but 
But the reality is, is far less than that. And Patrick heads home for the first time in, in ages um, because his father has had a massive stroke. And this is really a story about Patrick and his family and um, the long history between them that has caused a rift. Um, and we don't yet know. This is the first. Uh, I read the trade. The trade collects the first five issues, but it isn't ongoing. We don't know um, what what ultimately happens here. We don't know if there's reconciliation, if there's more heartbreak. But we do meet Patrick. We get to know him and his situation. Uh, he's got an estranged. He's had a strange, a strange marriage. He's married to a movie star, um, although they never see each other. Uh, he comes back to town and he interacts with his mother, um, who is an angry woman, a woman uh, of faith, but she also is someone who is quick to blame others for her uh, problems. Um, she's quick to judge rather than compliment. She's not, um, she's not warm and fuzzy. Um, we, we meet um, his sister who is married to the foreman of the factory that is dying out. And she's got her own marital issues because she is trying very hard and has been working for years on a project to revitalize the town by closing down the factory and building a casino and resort in its place, which needless to say makes her husband livid because essentially it's putting him out of a job. Um, we meet his brother, who is uh, a drunk and a drug user, unfortunately, and, and, and estranged, estranged from the rest of the family. Uh, and then, interestingly, we also meet several other characters all by the name of Tommy. But in fact, they're not all different characters. They are all interpretations of their brother, Tommy, who died in a drowning many, many years ago as a child. And Jeff's cartooning is awesome here because each of the family members essentially communicates with Tommy. Now, whether it's a ghost or just in their mind, I'm not quite sure but they all see him differently. Um, the brother sees Tommy as a partner in crime, uh, basically the little devil on his shoulder, telling him to party and to blow off work and to go crazy. Um, and he sees him as a, a guy almost his age, you know, in his late 20s. Um, uh, Patrick sees him um, as a young teenager. Um, his sister sees him as a little boy. Uh, and his mom sees him as a priest, a grown-up adult priest. So um, it, it's fascinating how they all interact with Tommy in their own way and get different things from him. Um, and it's it's really an allegory. It's a very layered story. It's an allegory of, of, of what a family has to do to cope with a trauma as powerful as losing your, um, you know, a little brother to a tragic death. Um, all the while they're dealing with another tragedy, which is the stroke of their father. Um, and we get a glimpse into their father, um, although he is stroked out in, in the hospital bed. We do see him and what's going on in his mind at the time. Uh, he's got his own things going on. And he's seeing the world in his own way. Um, and uh, we meet a number of other characters in the town as well, setting up uh, the broader narrative. But um, I find that Jeff is at his best when he's doing character work. And this, to me, feels like you don't get much better than Essex County. I mean, that was a hell of a that was a hell of a critical debut. It wasn't his first work, but it was really what put him on the map critically. Um, so I don't know that. Uh, what was that? Maybe 10 years ago, 10, 12 years ago. Um, needless to say, he's written a lot of pages and drawn a lot of pages since then. 
So I'm sure if he were on the show with us right now, he'd say he's a far more um, refined writer and cartoonist than he was then. Although I don't want to sell that work short. I think it's phenomenal. Um, so in essence, this is his going back to a lot of those same themes um, a decade later as a more accomplished storyteller. Uh, it's uh, it's meticulous. It's layered. Um, it's it's enchanting, captivating. Uh, I, you know, Jeff can do very little wrong for me. I, I seemingly like everything he does, but uh, but this is off to an immensely good start. Um, I will tell you this: if you're into shows like This Is Us, um, the, I can't see how you wouldn't love this book. The first arc, um, it's that same kind of tone, more tragic than than This Is Us, um, more directly tragic, but also. Um, you know, a little more whimsical as well because of the ghost aspect. So, yeah, man, I, I got to say, uh, Jeff's Jeff's knocked this one out of the park, I guess as usual. Um, but but hat tip to him. Hopefully, we'll have him on the show sometime uh, in the next few months. I know he's expressed interest in coming back on. We have lots to talk to him about. But uh, but I can't wait to uh, I can't wait for the second arc to start, which I think is next month. So, Royal City. Nice. Excellent. There you go. You know I love me some Lemire. We all do. We all do. I know. Hey, everybody. It's that time. New York Comic Con, less than 20, well, for us, less than 24 hours. But for you, probably more than that. But if you're there, come see us. Because we'll be there, too. And we want to give you a big hug. Dap does. Whew. That goes without saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he does. Believe him. Uh, go to our website, 11oclockcomics.com. Come on the Facebooks. We got a group there. It's kicking. Uh, Twitter. Uh, yeah. All that stuff. In the meantime, get back here after New York Comic Con because we're going to be talking about it. We want to all join in on the fun. And remember, episode 500 is coming, so don't don't go anywhere is what I'm saying. In the meantime... Say goodnight. David. Ooh. Sneak attack. Mm-hmm. Good night. David. Wow. You got kind of quick there with one of them. That was nice. Gotta be quick. It gots to be. Gots to be. You got Gots it. to be. You got it. Uh, safe travels if you are doing so to get to the con. If not... If you're not going to the con, just be safe anyway. And um, mm. the uh, the outro, unfortunately, this week is uh, by someone we lost recently. And uh, I, I'm, not, I'm only speaking for myself, but I uh, miss him already. So uh, here's some Tom Petty. You can say goodnight. You just said, but I know you're... it's not like the Casey Kasem deal. You could say goodnight. They're mm-hmm. gonna hear it anyway. Oh, whisper. No, don't whisper. Call me because you can now. There's a phone number. Yes, and give it to them. Give a voicemail. Give it to them. Give it to them. It is. It's nine one four. Uh, I'm waiting for the page to load. 914-246-2102. Nice. 
Jason. Vince. Mike Carey and Kenan Yanar, or Yarar, cover art by Kenneth Rocafort, coming from Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Barbarella. Oh, yeah, I did see that, yeah. Wow. I didn't see yeah, the, in- did. the interiors, but I'm looking at Rocafort's cover. Wow, mm-hmm. good God. Yeah. And it's a mature book, too. We're going to see how mature it is. Oh, it's its own. Getting it. All right. Bye. We love you. Bye. See ya. Dream.